on YouTube for that. What? Because I showed my tatas? They're going to take us down. You can't do that. They're real and they're perfect. Thank you. <laughs> they're not. Oh, gosh. They're Thank not. You. No, they're not. Okay. So many hours on the couch earning those tatas. Anyway, oh, good morning. No. Good afternoon. Good evening. However you're listening. Um, guys. This is the shortest show we've ever had. There's so much to talk about. <laughs> there's so much to talk about. Specifically, though, I think the most important thing that we need to talk about <laughs> is the return of somebody who we thought was gone forever. Mm. Um, this could be the greatest comeback in the history of sports, and that is Andrew Ferentz coming back to the Edmonton Oilers and stealing the captaincy away from Connor McDavid. Unbelievable. Wow. The, the, wow. Greatest, the greatest captain the Oilers have ever had. Now, if you don't know what I'm – I remember when he signed there, actually. He was like uh, – they are like, oh, Andrew Ferentz, real leader. Uh, he, uh, he leads a youth workout program in Edmonton in the – in the summer in the mornings and i was like oh that's nice and then the oilers seems played like a that great year guy. Like, oh he seems awesome then the oilers played that year and i was like <sighs> they they went through uh, they went through a long phase of exactly what the leafs went through where they would sign exactly one person who had previously won a championship and be like our work here is done yeah we're good now the seventh most important person on the stanley cup winning team that will be our guy uh, and done. <laughs> Strode to the cup. Here we come. Now, and uh, it didn't work. Like if you don't know here. why I'm bringing up Andrew Ferentz, uh, former and current captain of the Oilers. Sorry, Connor McDavid. You'll you'll just have to come play for the Leafs. Um, uh, what am I talking about? Where is this coming from? So uh, TNT, who we talked about last episode, uh, they got the secondary rights deal, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, the NHL in the States. Um, they and it, <laughs> they put up this graphic announcing, hey, guess what? Hockey's back on TNT. And they had a graphic that featured two star players in the league, Alexander Ovechkin and Andrew Ferris. <laughs> Oh, that's you know, just captain of the Oilers, Andrew Ferrets. He's a star. Oh, that's so funny, man. That's so fun. And listen, hey, I work for Sportsnet. Uh, we've had we've had some. Uh, TSN has had some. Man, the infamous Lupal one on TSN on Trade Center Oof. one day. Man, that was so. That was I've told the story before, but that was my buddy's job for years and years. And I texted him as soon as that happened. I'm like, oh my god, are you okay? And he's like, this is my first year not doing it. Yes, oh. they needed him. Yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess so. The funny now, thing about so- the Ferens thing is that it's the first thing that pops up in Google when you uh, when you Google image Oilers captain oh, Andrew Ferens no! is the first thing that pops up. So oh, everybody wow. on Twitter is like, "So the guy making your graphics didn't know anything about hockey and just Googled Oilers captain oh. and picked the first image, and it's the exact oh. same one on Google Images." Mm. It's very oh, funny. No. <laughs> like they could have picked Sidney Crosby. Nobody would have been upset about that. Two American teams. It's an American yeah. network. Like, why yeah, not? It doesn't Sid? make sense to have an oiler anyway. Well, he's the uh, biggest star in the league, but yeah. Oh, yeah, but uh, no you, one's like, oh yeah, I want to watch Edmonton. Well, maybe do you guys want to hear Shaq talk about hockey? Because in the clip More where they showed the graphic, it was Shaq talking about hockey. And then nobody really watched the clip. They just focused on the graphic. Yes. So I'm going to play You're you right. the 25 yes. seconds of Shaq talking about hockey if you want to hear it. Oh, oh my God. Thank you. Right. In, into my veins directly. Don't have any. Shaq, how is your NHL knowledge? I don't have any. 
Can you name three NHL teams? New Jersey Devils, California Kings, <laughs> LA Kings. Okay. Thank you. Look, don't play. You can't get the whole state. LA Kings and the Chicago. Bru- not Bruins. Blackhawks. What do you how do you rate his NHL skills? Better uh, than I thought. I mean, bro, he played for the Lakers. Like, how does he how does he get the California Kings? He played for the Lakers too, though, like when the when the Kings stunk. Like it was right after the Gretzky era. That's right? true. That's but they true. shared a Actually, building. You're you're gonna you're gonna want to Google Shaq and then yes. So did the Clippers and no one liked them either. So That's true. Yeah. name but Clippers from that time. No one you, can. You should Google Shaq New Jersey Devils and see what pops up. You're gonna get a little surprise. To save everybody who can't Google it very quickly, Shaq did the ceremonial puck drop before a New Jersey Devils game a few years ago, and he was wearing a Ponikarovsky jersey. Alex Ponikarovsky. Because I guess it's the longest name and it's the only one that would fit on his back? I don't know. Maybe he was just the tallest guy on the team. He could have been. I loved Pony. I miss Pony. Why? I don't know. It was just... You, you get attached to the best players on shitty teams. You know what I mean? You know, uh, I also miss perennial underperformer Alex Poronikarovsky when they teamed him up with Nick Andropov and then guy who was actually good, Matt Sundin. Matt Sundin, and they were nicknamed the Skyline, and Bill Waters would get on the radio and jokingly call him, no, they're, they're, they're flatline. They suck. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they did. You guys remember Mojo Radio? I do. Anyway. Um, I remember when Matt Sundin had actual wingers, like Alex McGilney. Gary Roberts. Steve Thomas. Jonas Hoagland. Okay, Ooh. well, it's not Steve as long a list as you Stop think. it. Um, hey, so... He was on Team Sweden. Th- there's, there is lots to talk about, including that TNT uh, information. And I actually want to relay a story, and he might tell this on the 31 Thoughts podcast, but just in case you miss it, Elliot Friedman actually wrote something very interesting about the NHL rights deal shifting in 2014-2015 in the 31 Thoughts column this week. And I thought it was really great because Elliot's rarely makes it about himself, but his personal experience on this one was like really, really interesting. So uh, I think we got to get into that. There's a lot of stuff to talk to. Uh, you know, the Leafs have clinched a playoff spot, which Yay! means they're not going to miss the playoffs two years in a row because guys, guess what? They missed it last year. Everybody kind of forgets that. But let's get into who wore the crown brought to you by Jesse. Actually, today's episode well, is you, brought Jesse. to you by Jesse. Oh, yeah. so today's that. episode, I um, I left it blank on purpose. I didn't schedule it from the many DMs that I have to get back to. And if you have DM'd me in the last like week, I haven't responded to you yet. I'm still filling out the calendar. We are through June third with Who Wrote the Crown booking. So I think I'll go up until the uh, end of when the Stanley Cup Finals is going to be, and then I'll cut it off there. But yeah, I got to get back to you on okay. DM if you have DM'd me. But today's who are the crown segment is brought to you by Jesse Blake because I made a donation and I'm challenging you, Steve and you, Adam wild to beat my donation. So today in Toronto, our good friend, fourth member of the show, CJ, Chris Johnston ran a marathon. He has run every single day for the last 365 days. 
And today he said on the one year, uh, his 365th run, he was going to run a full marathon in support of conquer COVID-19. So Elliot Friedman was out there. He was watching him run his marathon and he did it in a time of three hours and 39 minutes and 45 seconds. So we have to shout out uh, reporter Chris today for doing his job and running again. I don't know if he's going to keep running tomorrow, but we'll see. And he wore he, <laughs> he wore a T-shirt that says juggernaut across the front. So this whole thing, his running project was to uh, raise money for Conquer COVID-19. If you go to idrf.ca, you can donate there yourself if you'd like to. It's also on his Twitter. Find it there. I donated personally this morning because I'm a great person. $200. Mm-hmm. And I texted him oh. and I told them I donated that. And, and I congrats on your run and keep running. So Steve and Adam, because you aren't as great as people as I am, you haven't donated yet. And I'm challenging you right now for who are the crown to make a donation. You know, $200 and one cent coming your way. Well, you know, sometimes they say if I was half the man, Jesse was. Well, I am exactly half the man Jesse was because I donated a hundred bucks today. <laughs> so nice. I got I got another hundred dollars and, and two cents. Adam, <laughs> damn it, let's go. All right, I will get there, Jesse. I will get there. Awesome. What a guy! What a guy! I like it. I'm into it. Um, so that was brought to you by I guess Jesse Blake, and you know what? We'll we'll give it to Chris. Chris is the sponsor of 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 uh, the uh, Crown segment, and I gotta ask, uh, who wants to go first? Does anybody have any thoughts? Adam, I'm, feelings? I'm, you you haven't you haven't set it up. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You sorry, you haven't. Can you just? This is who wore the crown. Brought to you by one Chris Johnston. The next time that you decide today, I'm gonna be fit forever. <laughs> kind of like Sean McKenzie. Definitely like CJ. And I'm going to be a better person than everybody else. Definitely like CJ. Why not? Juggernaut! <laughs> Run for 365 straight days to conquer COVID-19. Unbelievable. God, I love CJ. Anyway, uh, all right, who wants to go first? I'll go first because I have a special crown to hand out today because I didn't think it'd ever get to this point where I would be giving young Adam Brooks a crown. So I just want to give Adam Brooks my crown today because he has solidified the fourth line on the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's Spets on the wing, Thornton on the wing, Brooksy in the middle. And it is so much fun to watch. He was awesome last night. And I can't wait to see them run in the playoffs of this fourth line. I don't think nobody who comes back is going to kick him out of that slot if he keeps playing like this over the next, what is it, seven games they have left? I think that's that's the fourth line you got to run with in the playoff and fill out everything else. Engvall, I'm sorry. You had every chance in the history of the Leafs. Like nobody's <laughs> given you any more chances than you've had this last like four months, but you didn't take the slot. And um, Adam Brooks, congrats. I think that fourth line center spot is yours. You're phenomenal. Here's a crown. He's been so good that like forget Engvall. People are talking about taking out Galchenyuk when Hyman comes back. It's oh, well, I've I, a lot of people tweeted it at me. They're like, who comes out? Is it Brooks or Galchenyuk? And I'm like, oh, well, yeah, listen, there's a, there's a healthy argument. It, well, then who's your who's the third line? Uh, I guess it just stays as it is. Right? So Ker- it, it, uh, Kerfoot. Kerfoot, centering Simmons, Simmons. and McKayev. All right, McKayev. McKayev's who I was forgetting. Yeah, I guess there's no there's no room. 
Where do you? Because Gautier's not going to center that the fourth line. Like I don't think you're not scratching any of the old guys. So who's like, moving up? Make peace with that. Hyman comes back. Uh, Hyman Hyman would go into the. But they, they want spot. Hyman on the third line. So what are they going to? I think no, you're right. Then you got Felino, who has his spot now, and doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. Mm-hmm. I think good teams have good extras. Yeah, <laughs> it might be Brooks. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Joe Thornton and Jason Spezza, known centerman. Uh, I'm sure they can handle it at seven or eight minutes a night. Like, I'm, I'm sure they can. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be all right. But that fourth line, Jesse, absolutely right. And it was funny. Right before he scored last night, I said to nobody in particular, um, boy, Adam Brooks looks good. And mm-hmm. scored. And I was like, Adam Wilde, you're a genius. Again, <laughs> nobody in particular. Which um, put you on the broadcast. Third man yeah, in the booth. Oh, man. <laughs> man. Here's Chris Cuthbert, Chris Simpson, Adam Wilde. What do you yeah, think, Adam? Uh, well, not much. I not ate much. the purple well, berries. <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's it's funny the uh uh the thing with him is he's and i and i i i don't want to i don't mean this to be insulting but we have found a spot for joe thornton on this team because of yeah. the emergence of adam brooks and i yeah. don't the thing the reason i want i want there to be a spot for joe thornton on this team i want him to be playing i love the passion that he showed but there was like seven or eight games there guys where it was like I don't yeah, it was a little longer fit. than that. <laughs> it was a little longer than that. Right? It was sort yeah. of like, where does this go? And yeah. uh, I want to remind everybody that Jason Spezza has more points than Josh Anderson this season. No. Pretty sure. Yeah. No. Here, let me look at it one more time. Spezza has how many points? Jason Spezza, stats.nhl.com. He's got 26 points. Josh Man. Anderson, Mr. Anderson. Has. No. Are you ready? No. No. 24 points. Get out of absolute town. Really? Yeah. Oh, dear. Oh, why heavens. Why? Why the comparison to Josh Anderson? Why did we cherry pick him? To be a dick, Jesse. Because like, just... if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan, you're like, fuck. What else am I going to say to that? Okay. <laughs> like, I feel bad. Like, yeah, why are you picking on big, him? That was the big get. And now it's like, well, Jason hey, Spence has got more points. Jesse, oh, so that's that's another shot across the bout, Mike Babcock. Jesse, <laughs> counterpoint. No. I don't feel bad at all. That shit's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Keep it going. <laughs> yep. Um, Steven, your crown. Well, <clears throat> folks, Austin Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do you not, right? That goal was Dude, What a mutant. What oh, a yeah. oh. He's he scored a goal so sexy he surprised himself, and it wasn't even the nicest batting the puck out of the air to himself, followed immediately by a goal goal that he has scored in that building. Mm-hmm. He scored a very similar goal off the rush with Patrick Marlowe on his line in 2017 in La Centre Belle, Montreal. It's uh, uh, uh what, what what do you say? What do you say? What do you do? What do you what do you do except hand him the crown? Hand him the key to the city. Make him prime minister. What uh make him ambassador to Mars? Like what, what else do you do? This is the best player that's ever played for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And here's how good Connor McDavid is. He is probably never gonna win the heart ever once. And people are gonna be one day we're gonna be talking about Matthews going to the Hall of Fame, and we're gonna be talking about individual hardware. Ah, yeah, but where's the hearts? Yeah, he'll have con smites. 
Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking, man. That's what I'm hoping. That's yep. definitely what I'm hoping. I also think you and a few rockets. Matthews has a thing. Where we're gonna your other fans from other markets are gonna laugh at me here, but I think you do have play at a bit of a disadvantage playing in Toronto because the writers here like to be first off, more writers are here, and they like to be hipster about it. That's why they picked Taylor Hall over Connor McDavid in 2017. Oh well, the Oilers aren't going to the playoffs. Mm. Fuck you! He's the best player in the league. <laughs> and 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 by the way, this year it's Connor McDavid's trophy. Stop giving it to Leon Draisaitl. Even Leon's like, I don't understand. I don't, Leon Draisaitl's not over. Leon Draisaitl without Connor McDavid. I think Connor McDavid over. is Connor McDavid without Leon Draisaitl, and that's not to diminish Leon Draisaitl. Connor McDavid is a a step above everybody in this league. Everybody, including the people who are right next to him. And you know it's, he, it's, right now, Connor McDavid is on a point per period pace in the last 13 <laughs> periods. In the last, in the last 13 periods, he has 13 points. He's on a point per period. There's, take Rages. a second to just appreciate how crazy that stat is. Every mm-hmm. period, he has a point. The last 13 okay, periods. Adam, who wears your crown? Because I want to continue this. Um, uh, Sir Jack of Campbell. Uh, I just want to say, nice to have him back in in form a little bit, recently especially. Um, And, you know, last night, saving 33 of 34, a nice clean, or sorry, 32 of 33, a nice clean 970 save percentage. Let's go through Jack Campbell's record for the season, guys. Can we just do that for just two two seconds? I bet it's bad. 11 and 0, and then... No, 14, I bet it's bad. two, and one. Wow. Again, it's 14, two, and one. Now, I know that he went on a bit of a winning streak there that was historical, and people were like, well, he had a bit of a hot streak, and maybe the last couple of games he wasn't very good, and whatever. Guys, he's 14, two, and one. That's huge. That's yeah. big. Yes, I know the team's good. Jack Campbell has been spectacular. He had a couple of wobbly games. Tell me who doesn't. Show me a right. goalie that doesn't. Right. And uh, I think this guy's for real. This is awesome. And what? I think we got to give we got to give him a little more credit than we're giving him. Because remember this: up until this season, the Leafs' defense was awful, and you had to look to like the most advanced stats you possibly could to go. Well, it's maybe going in the right direction. This year, Leafs' defense has been better, pushing shots to the outside. They've done a lot of what Tampa Bay did a couple years ago. Uh, with the the amendments to their to their system and how they play defensively, um, and obviously the addition of T.J. Brody helps the emergence of Rasmus Sandin helps the Zach Bogosian being as good as he's been, um, and and Justin Hall, all of these things coming together at once is great. But we've seen what happens when we don't have a great goalie in that. Mm-hmm. We've seen Hutch. No offense to Hutch, he had a shutout. He's still been he's been better this year, and uh, big save Dave hasn't been great. And when the big save Dave's in net, do the Leafs look great? They do not. Not, not the answer really, is they no. do not look dominant. Well, hopefully that answer will be out of date by the end of tonight. Why is that? He's getting the start against Vancouver, it is looks he? like. Okay, yeah. well, there you looks go. Like. So anyway, that's my crown. And that is Who Are the Crown brought to you by Chris Johnson, who wants to covert, uh, sorry, conquer COVID-19 on his own. Just him. <laughs> We're sending him in. He's going he's gonna to administer every vaccine. Yep. And on he, his own. On his own. Confirmed. And also break a few trades. Thank you, Chris, for what you do. Remember, what's the uh, website again? Uh, So if you go to his Twitter, it is there, at Reporter Chris. Or you can go directly to idrf.ca slash project slash conquer COVID-19. 
So the next time you want to be an in, in shape person and just overall a better person than anybody else, why not? I'm the juggernaut, Chris. Why not? See, it's like, it's like the line. It's Thank like you the for line. listening to Who Wore the Crown. Now, we, you guys want to talk about Connor McDavid for a second before we get yeah. into the Leafs, right? A little. The 100-point okay, thing is getting stupid. <laughs> like if dude, he's almost there. It's it's ridiculous if he if he gets a hundred points in fifty six games, like that's yeah. that's that's the best pace since Mario Lemieux peaked in the nineties. So what is what's he at right now? Because I know they played last night, but I I missed it. Points wise, McDavid. Yeah, last I checked, he was at eighty one in forty six. I think he's at so eighty four in forty seven. He had eighty four. Yeah. Stop. Stop. Okay, so I need to amend my little tweet then uh, that I was about to read because that, that, Connor, you fucking. <laughs> How is this possible? Okay, so he is officially on a. We clip that, by the way. That was a. That was quite the reaction. <laughs> he made me just, malfunction. Just anything happens. Steve goes. <laughs> so okay, here's what I tweeted. Connor McDavid is on pace for 98. Point six points in 56 games. By the way, updated after one single game, uh, 100 points flat. He is on pace for 100 points. Let's uh, round up and say 99, I said. No, let's say 100, Stephen. Uh, that would give him more points in a 56-game season than five uh, of the 20 Art Ross Trophy winners, so scoring title winners, since the year 2000. His pace is one point back, now tied, of the 2017 winner, Connor McDavid. Unbelievable. He's, he's, <laughs> if he gets 100, he'll have more points or as many, now that we can add 2017 in there, than more than 25% of the scoring title winners since the year 2000. Yes, that includes Marty St. Louis from 2013. Um, the 48 game season, but he only had 60 points. That pace, not even close, not even close. What Connor McDavid is doing this season is special, truly, truly special. And he's been held off the score sheet. I believe it was in nine games yeah. this season. So mostly against the Leafs. <laughs> on this pace, right? Three and of them like, were against the Leafs consecutively and three were against Montreal. I forget the other three. A game uh, like but, Winnipeg. It's, Two nights Wild. ago, he's playing Winnipeg and he has a hat trick. It was a Monday night and they, they sat up like he played 16 minutes that night and he had four points. Steph Curry. He took the fourth quarter off because he had too much <laughs> points. Like, oh my God. He's so far and away above better than everybody else in the NHL that it's starting to be absurd. Well, that's why I was trying to say earlier about the uh, Leon Dreisaitl thing. It's it's not that Leon. I would want to diminish Leon's talent. It's just that anybody next to Connor McDavid seems like an ant. He's a giant. He's yeah. unbelievable. And I mean, he's no Andrew Ferentz, but he's quickly going to become the face of this league. And I, it'll Horkoff. be nice with a little bit of Sean Horkoff. Uh, <laughs> do you remember, by the way, when Sean Horkoff resigned in Calgary? Sorry, in Edmonton. And the Calgary Flames Twitter account said, what a stupid deal, idiots. And then like oh, yeah. somebody that meant to do it from their own Twitter account, but was signed into the Flames Twitter account. They got fired. I didn't I know it was so Horkoff. I do remember. And it was, yeah, he signed for two years, five million apiece. And that was a lot of money for Sean Horkoff. 
And then, and then, yeah, it was like, what a dumb deal this is. It's idiots. Like- <laughs> From the official Flames account? <laughs> That's amazing. No, they should have right. given that guy a promotion. Come on. I think so. Battle of Alberta. Um, How dare you? I think, uh, I think, you know, uh, I do want to talk AGM. about others a little bit later in the show too, guys. So let's save some of this. Uh, sure. But if if Connor McDavid hasn't been on your radar all year, he should be. And I'm excited to see what happens to Connor McDavid's career after the ESPN and the TNT deals kick in. Because um, with a wider audience, hopefully in the States, uh, a lot of new people. He's going to be one of the guys that they look to to go, wow, this is the most exciting player in the world. And mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, just entering his prime, because he's what, 24? Uh, yeah, thereabouts. So his, so his prime years or his next six, um, uh, we're going to see some pretty spectacular hockey over the course of this ESPN TNT deal. And uh, I think they're going to be rewarded for it. It's going to be a very, very cool time, I think, and hope to be a hockey fan. Now, Let's get into the Leafs here, who, uh, and I want to read a tweet to you guys because there's a bit of a weird one around this, and it comes from uh, our guy, Terry Koshin, who we think is a great person. We love Terry, right? Yes. Steven? Big Terry fan. Big Big Terry Terry. fan. Per the NHL, and I love that he said that, per the NHL, Matthews and Marner joined Coverley, Williams, Salming, and Turnbull as the only Leafs in the expansion era to reach the postseason in each of their first five seasons. Wow. Except, except what? They didn't make oh. the postseason last year. Yes, they except did. They did somehow. They didn't they make made the, the postseason. They made the, the Stanley post- Cup playoffs. Yes. All right. Because right. they, the Toronto Maple Leafs, were in the NHL playoffs. They were in the NHL playoffs. No, they were in the NHL postseason. They were not in the playoffs. They were in the NHL playoffs. They were not in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Oh, this is the difference. That's what it is. This is the difference, right? What a little uh, shit that record is. That's crap. It is. There's definitely an asterisk on it. I mean, if you're Cabrillet and for some reason you're dug in about that shit in between like Uber shifts, <laughs> like be random. By the way, what that? That's not a dig at Cabrillet. He literally, pretty sure he like co-owns a restaurant or his wife. Yeah, wife, his wife he was making deliveries in the peak of the pandemic last uh, like April through May ish. Uh, Cabrillet was helping his wife with deliveries for the restaurant that I believe they both own and he would do the Uber deliveries and drop them off himself and you'd just be in your Toronto place ordering uh, chicken fried rice and Cabrillet would show up at your door with a bag and drop it off it's, it was pretty cool pictures oh. to see that guy looked just like Thomas Cabrillet <laughs> I met him once, he's a nice guy is he? yeah, yeah nice. quiet, very quiet, very very mm-hmm. quiet but but nice um, so anyway, it doesn't doesn't help that I it was at Sick Kids Hospital. <laughs> That's when I was working there. And uh, why and did you start like, telling this depressing story? <laughs> it's not depressing. <laughs> Everything was okay. It was just he was there and he was in the lobby and and uh, I just kind of waved and he kind of waved back and that was it. Adam in Hicks. retrospect, I was nineteen and I was working there. In retrospect, I probably shouldn't have waved, but I was nineteen, man. And he's he was Thomas Coverley. You just ended the show for a second time. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm that was so a sorry. Steve level story. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. and- <laughs> What a and then Steve he story. caught a football and fell off a balcony. Tell a zoo story, you stupid dick. Oh, my God. Um, so the Leafs clinch a playoff spot. Thornton's and Spets had both hit milestones in the same night. Thornton with 1,100 assists. Goofy. Jason Spezza moving into, I think it was 99th place, an all-time scoring list. Who did he pass? I don't know. Who did he pass? Maurice Richard. Oh, right. Yes, wow. of course. That's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. In Montreal, no less. 
Will Maurice? We know. We know all the asterisks. Calm down. It's neat. That's all. If you had the chance, guys, it, like, so Jason Spezza has had knocks on him his entire career. But if you're the scout, I mean, not that he, not that we didn't see this coming with him, he was going to be a good player. But if you have the chance at a first overall pick, and you're told at the end of his career, he will be in the top 100 scores of all time. That's a pretty big win, right? It's a good like, pick. People look at Jason Spezza sometimes, I feel like, because there was deficiencies in his, in his defensive game, and he never uh, turned into, like, Jonathan Tays. And Jonathan Tays wasn't even in the NHL at that point. But, you know, he was always just the offensive guy. Uh, I think any scout anywhere takes top 100 score all time, any day. Any day. And there were, remember how hard it was for him to even make the senator? Jacques Martin kept sending him down. I, uh, I do seem to remember something like that. Yes. Like it was like two or three years. And then he finally was like, okay, are, am I going to make this or are you just going to trade me? And then they, they were finally, good. and they let him on the team and he scored a bunch. Yeah. They were, they were really good. And he was also sort of part of that. I want to say he was just as he was sort of getting his footing, he was part of that. Um, that crop of ridiculously young and talented players who sort of had their career put on hold by the full season lockout. Yes. It was like he, it was like, it was guys like he, he was torturing the AHL. I think Getzlaff might've been in there. Eric Stahl, like just all these guys who had no business being in that league, just tearing it to shreds. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? Good blur. Uh, now I have well, a question. I don't know if he ever said that, but most others did. <laughs> um, at what point do we start giving William Nylander credit for scoring in front of the net? None. No, it was he no led point. the team in net front goals last season. No, but, but, <laughs> but right. what national team does he play for? I tweeted. Can't, uh, can't do it. No. Can't do it. No player from Sweden has ever scored goals in front of the net. I have an honest, like a serious question here. This is a joke, would, by the way. Would anybody think week? players from Sweden were soft if it wasn't for Don Jerry? Probably not. I don't like, know. Where That's did that come question. from? Because here's the thing with, like, Swedes are known to be benevolent to each other, you know, with their universal health care and they're looking after each other. But the, um, the, the idea that Swedish players are soft is the only person I've ever heard that from in the media is Don Cherry. And when you look at the first Swedish players to play in the NHL, and I'm thinking specifically Boris Salming, not soft. Well, they were just hell. targeted. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you grow up in like literally the frozen north. Like we think we got winters. Stockholm's no. like, no, like exactly. Stockholm's like, oh, it's, it's bright till midnight out up here. Like it's, it's, they're way further or dark in the afternoon. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm very sort of surprised that that they get stuck with that still. And Willie doesn't throw a bunch of hits, uh, but he doesn't need to. He's got he the is puck. a brick shithouse, though. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. He's strong. Hard to, He's... hard to knock off the puck. Oh, yeah. I think Don Cherry definitely was the like flag bearer of national xenophobia within hockey. You know, like I think he You're really Sweden? No, I like, think it, I think towards any European really over the last over the what was he on TV for 35 40 years, years or 40 years. Yeah, I think you know, 
when you're on TV, national TV in Canada for 40 years and you keep saying the same points over and over again for 40 years, and one of those points is I don't like European hockey players, I think it's going to get into this uh, the game a little. And I think it definitely did. And it created these terrible narratives. And the ones who were tough, he called rats. You know, yeah. like a guy, a guy like Casparitis, who was kind of a cheap shot artist, but you, you know, you know well, what I mean. And, but but so was so were Darcy Tucker and Ty Domi, and we love them exactly. Uh, right? And were, we would love to having them on the team. So absolutely, and and a guy a guy like John Cherry, I, I think, has sort of put at the forefront. Well, one because he was on a national broadcaster, but two because he lasted so long. But I, there's this footage that I can't for the life of me find. But I saw it once. I saw it with my own eyes. And it was Harold Ballard talking about a player on his own team. It was a, I want to say it was a Czech player. I want to say it was Peter and a Czech. Um, and someone asked him a In question name. about him. It sure was. And someone asked him a question about him point blank. And he says into the camera, he goes, eh, he's a dumb Czech. Uh, into the camera. I couldn't believe it. He I, so. Well, if you look up any Harold Ballard interviews from the CBC archives, which, by the way, are available for free online, um, like there was one with a woman, a woman host. Oh, yeah. And and she has him and somebody else on on her show. And he says to the other man on the show, can somebody shut this woman up? Harold Ballard. I have not seen this. It's not a seeable. It's a listen. It wasn't filmed. It was he was on the phone. Harold Ballard was the worst. He was terrible. Terrible. I. uh... I remember I did a project on him like in elementary school. It was like grade three or four. I was, and the book that I took out from the library obviously had information that was over my head at that age. And I remember having to ask my parents, like, why <laughs> there was a quote in there. He called someone, a, he called him a bunch of frogs. And I'm like, what does this mean? Like I don't, yeah, I've watched Bugs Bunny. I don't understand this insult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They oh. had to explain it to me. Yeah. And I wanted to say something. I don't think the entire blame is on Don Cherry because I, I would assume like people like Ballard and the company he would keep around him would perpetuate those stereotypes as well. Like I don't think anybody was standing around arguing with Cherry about Europeans. I think there's a lot of people probably who agreed with him during those times, during those 40 well, years, you know? McLean would argue with him and then people would yeah. call him soft. Right. And then there's the whole uh, <laughs> cavalry of defense who are like yelling at Ron and being like, shut up, let Don talk. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I guess. Well, I, guess. I remember I remember cuz my parents worked at the CBC and sold hockey night in Canada. My dad and stepmom. Um and like you sales know, team. Yeah, and they would have to deal with clients like like French Canadian clients calling and going, "He can't say this." Like, oh wow. <laughs> And he like he was hard on Canadians. Like it was it was like um he's like all oh, these remember the Frenchies with the visors thing that blew up and was like mm-hmm. especially big in Quebec. That um, was that was really not long ago. ago. It was not long ago. It wasn't. I mean, I was a kid, but it wasn't long ago. And I think so. The reason I asked that question is because you know I can understand a cabal of people at the top of hockey maybe thinking that or whatever. Um, and that was also part and parcel of the fact that the Europeans played a much more finesse-oriented game, especially the Russians. It wasn't about the hits. It was about skating and shooting and scoring. And um, and for some reason, he's the only guy I can actually point to that was saying that publicly at the time. Although my context isn't great because I wasn't alive for a lot of it. So I wonder if that was just something where the average person thought that too, which is weird. It's a very odd thing to think and a very ignorant thing to think, frankly. 
There, there are legitimate criticisms of William Nylander, but I, but I can't help but think how much easier of a time he'd have if his name was Mark Shifley. <laughs> What's the difference? Other than, I mean, Mark's a center. Mark scores uh, a lot. Of one's points. better at defense, and, and it's, it's Willie. Yeah, <laughs> dude, like, who's been benched this season more? Shife. <laughs> I mean, Willie was almost scratched, and wasn't yeah. just because of the injury, but, but. And he but was benched not, for a play. He was benched for a uh, a period. What if his name was Blake Wheeler? Yeah. You know, think, and I'm not yeah. picking on the Jets. It's just those two are bad at defense. But yeah. what if what if we yeah. just change the expectations on players? It's the it's the line A thing. I think William William Mueller suffers from the same thing that line A is facing right now. It's hey, this guy's a great goal scorer. Let him go be that. Don't expect the defense from because you need all of these different parts in, on a hockey team to win games and to be a Stanley Cup champion. What if William Mueller is not the guy you have chasing back on every back check? What if he's the guy on his line you get the puck to because he's going to shoot it and score? And he's going to yeah, play. But in the then he does. He does those things you just yeah, mentioned so, and doesn't and, get credit but, for it. But then he also does the back-checking stuff, and he does play in the corners, yeah. and he doesn't get credit. But you can also just like not expect those things if that's not the type of player he is, and don't criticize him for that. And then when he mm-hmm. does it, it's even higher than what you expected. I think also this team, we've just, since they were introduced to the NHL, we've thought they were older than they are. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. I forget all the time. I forget all the time. And, you know, like I think, I think about Austin Matthews, who's, is he 23 or 24? Uh, Three, I want to say. 23. Mm -hmm. So I think about, I mean, there's lots of 23 year olds in the NHL and Mm -hmm. have been in the NHL. But then I think about myself at 23. What a shithead. (laughs) What a dumbass. And this dude is, is, I mean, he's playing as grown up as he's ever played. Yep. You know what I mean? And so is Willie. And so is Mitch. And so is Dermot, you know, to to go to, you know, a little further down the lineup. Is that because they're growing up? Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. Isn't that amazing? Crazy. That thing that that happens to most people is happening to them. (laughs) Like the window for this team is still so far open. Your your point about them being younger than we think, it's so true. Like they've been mm-hmm. Austin Matthews been in the league. This is what fifth year. He he got out of his entry level deal last season. Last season was his first like, year not in on his entry level contract. Yeah. Like that's that's insane. We think like, oh, these guys have been around forever. They should have won by now. And no, this is it's no. a core that just they're they're just getting into where they're peaking now. Like they're this team has finally come together. Like last season, it wasn't there. They were eighth seed and they didn't make the playoffs, so they didn't make the Stanley Cup playoffs. And now we're seeing it come together. So it might take even like not even this season, it might take a couple more years for them to actually get to their highest of talent levels. And it's gonna be fun right. to watch. We've got to keep remembering. Young. Yeah, win a damn round. Win a damn round. But and also, let me just throw this out there: Old Man or Morgan Riley, who's been around forever, is like twenty-eight. <laughs> like, <Right. laughs> uh, I don't even know if he's. A, oh yeah, yeah. Like, that's it, right? That's it. I'm surprised he's even that old. Riley's twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Wow. Has okay. has Morgan wow. Riley been eligible for free agency yet? No. Unrestricted. Uh, Unrestricted. After next season. I think after, after next. next season. And he signed his restricted deal, I think, with... D- didn't he sign it with a year... No, maybe he didn't sign it with a year left, mm-hmm. but they signed it before he went even to restricted free agency. 
and him that's the and old Nas, guy. Yeah, him and Nas yeah. signed deals the same day, and it's some of the tidiest contract work, honest to goodness, this team has ever done. I think that ever. was that was Lou. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it was, it, and it was them. It was coming off the year where they finished last. I'm pretty sure he got. I think he got Mo and Nas for six years each. Yeah, and at a total of eight point five million dollars. Morgan Riley's like signing that. date of his current contract is April thirteenth, twenty sixteen. Six years, thirty million dollars. Unbelievable. Beautiful birthday present. Six wow. times five. <laughs> ooh, 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 and he's Pretty got great. a seventy-two point season in there. That's is tidy bit of work. Yeah. I miss um, Nas, but it's a tidy bit of work. Guy, I got a question, guys. Do Montreal, does the Montreal Canadiens franchise, do the players, do they want to go to the playoffs? Uh, you know what? It's been a hard I, year. Yeah, I felt bad for them last night. This is one of the first times I legitimately felt bad for a Leafs opponent. Now, I know you lose Drouin, and that's tough. I get that. So that, of course, mm-hmm. you know, him taking his personal leave. And by the way, we wish him all the best with that. Hope he's okay. Of course. Um, Coach was fired earlier in the year. Right, coach for, you know, with a winning record, yeah. coach is fired. Price has been out forever. Price is out. Gallagher is out. Byron was not in this game. Tatar was not in this game. Joanne was not in this game. Caulfield is a child. Like, yeah, Romanov, <laughs> in a way, like is still a child. Like he, he's yeah. getting a little bit of the 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 treatment that the guys that we just talked about are getting. Like, he, oh yeah, him and Caulfield, the saviors of this. What you're not supposed to. It's great to have those young players. You're not supposed to lean all your weight on them. Mm-hmm. It's and is, and is Gallagher going to be back? Days, I before the playoffs, I think so. Okay, but like how how back is he going to be? Right. Well, he fucking sucks to play against. <laughs> I'm a no. big Brandon Gallagher fan. I was wondering where that sentence was going. I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> he doesn't though. No, he doesn't. He's sure great. He doesn't. Man, I would He's love it if he was a Leaf. I love him. Oh. Uh, he's so great. I just you know, I think. You know, because obviously we're pretty sure that this is what's going to be the first round matchup. I realize Calgary's within quote unquote striking distance, five points. There's eight games left to play. We'll see. But uh, man, if if you go into the playoffs cold, it can be a pretty tough go. We've hey, seen that. Ten points in my last seven games. Who am I? Uh, you are uh, John Tavares. No, William Nylander. Sam Bennett. Nice. Weird. Oh, that's why I keep getting Sam Bennett tweets. People are like, "Oh, I should have picked up Sam Bennett." He's had oh, oh, I'm sorry. He's had great a great seven games. <laughs> Adam, you <laughs> are him. You, Adam. No one in the history of the earth has ever been more anti Sam Bennett than you were. I'm not anti Sam <laughs> Bennett. I'm anti giving up a first round pick for Sam Bennett. Oh, hey, hey, but they were asking. He oh. wants out. Trade him. Trade Adam. him. You're Wait, salty. Traded, wasn't he? You're salty. Hydrate. <laughs> Hydrate. Look at this. Wait a second. Was he traded? To the Panthers. Yeah. Yeah. For like a second and a third or a third? It wasn't. So does that reflect poorly? Hold on. Does that reflect poorly on me or the Flames? Oh. Both. Yeah. Okay. Just just because the Flames made a bad call doesn't mean you also didn't. It's Adam. It's not seven only, games, guys. What the not hell is only this? were you wrong about Sam Bennett, but you're not even the heir to Boston Pizza. Is he? So now what? So who's the heir to Boston what? Pizza? Isn't Brad for living the heir to Boston Pizza? Oh, is he? Well, he's not the heir, sure. just his brother. Jim? I think it's his dad. 
No, they Owen and Brad are brothers. Are they? I thought yeah. it was just No, they're like they're both like 50, aren't they? Oh, I don't know. I didn't know that. I thought it was his dad. I don't know what's happening. Oh, here. Jim Trilliving is older than 50. Jim Trilliving is 79. Oh, his child is Brad. Eat shit. Oh shit. <laughs> Brad is 50. I I could have sworn Jim Trilliving was like 55. You know what his secret is? Boston pizza. <laughs> Uh, by the way, Americans are like, what's Boston pizza? And is it from Boston? No, it's from no. Canada. It's a Canadian no. chain. Do they not have Boston pizza in the States? I don't, I don't believe so. What the? F- yeah, I'm going to go. World doesn't make are sense. There, are there Boston pizzas in the <laughs> that's U.S.? Like, that's like a Burlington fish and chips just randomly in Connecticut or something like that. Like that oh, no, they do. They do. Okay. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure they got them in Mexico, too. But up until a few years Boston ago, they did pizza. But there are no Boston pizzas in Massachusetts. 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 There's nothing. There's no Boston pizzas in the actual state that Boston is in. That's there are 435 uh, Boston Holy pizzas in North America. Smokes. What are you <laughs> doing? Why are you GMing the flames, man? I, go huck some pizza. Yeah, just go live life. off your dad's money. What are you, <laughs> yeah. what are you doing? Like you gotta, Brad Trilliving needs to put up with my bullshit, criticizing him like he needs a hole in the head. Are you kidding me? Imagine being the GM of the Flames as a hobby. I that's what he is. Like good for him though. That's pretty. <laughs> that's pretty accomplished. That's like so it's pretty funny. amazing. We, we gotta keep hobby. the kids from getting up to mischief. It's son, go be an NHL executive. Make something of yourself. Wow. Okay. So in 20, 2012, the last reported revenue of Boston Pizza on the Wikipedia page. Can you guess how much their revenue was in 2012? That's in 2012. Yes. That's I don't when know I was anything about money. I was frequently so say Boston pizza all the time. Then I, uh, go ahead, Steve. 720 your, million. 720? Okay. I'm going to say, I'm gonna say 5.2 billion, how, <laughs> which is AKA how much Rogers paid for the NHL rights. Wow. Okay. It wasn't that much. But in 2012, okay. Boston Pizza had a revenue of $943 million. But that's, is it gross or net? Uh, that's just, it says revenue. That's so really I gross. win Price is Right. That uh, Steve wins, yes. I'm in the showcase showdown. Let's go. Not, your company is put, pulling in a billion dollars. Why are you GMing the flames? You know, it's a billion dollars eight years ago. Imagine what they're doing now. Right. A lot more. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. So, yeah, Sam Bennett's good. He is good. <laughs> Man, my argument was never Sam Bennett isn't good. It's the Leafs don't need him. I think it was I that he's bad. Yeah, I thought you, called, I thought you said he sucked. He was a bit of a perennial underperformer. I think everybody can agree with me on that one. He was. Am I wrong? Was he a fifth overall pick? I tell you what, he's over a point a game in Florida. Are we at KFC? Because Adam's doubling down. Am I a... Um, All right. Another another thing I want to say. So this is what I wanted to say on the Oilers, guys. Jets have lost five straight. Three of five of those have come against their likely first-round opponent, the Oilers. Um, nobody wants to play the Oilers when the Oilers are hot, right? We're agreeing on that. And they are red hot. That's a top red hot 10 team in the league when they're on fire. If we're, if we're just going by recent trends, uh, the Leafs will play Montreal and beat them. Mm-hmm. And Edmonton will play Winnipeg and demolish them. 
it, like they will beat the, the Oilers will beat the Jets as it looks right now. Mm-hmm. The Oilers will beat the Jets by more than the Leafs will beat whoever their prospective opponent is. Oh yeah, they just don't. The match Oilers up are well have their number. Yeah. Right now, it looks like an inevitable collision of Matthews and McDavid in Canada. What an incredible matchup! Oh, so good. So good. Oh, oh! I and? can think of a few people I know who are like, "Come on, let's go!" Yeah, are they, are they all in the Rogers employees? <laughs> yeah, they are all Rogers. I didn't employees. say that, Jesse Blake. Don't put words in my mouth. It is dangerous. The Blue Jays are going. Please do it so we can sign more free agents this winter. <laughs> I, I follow this. Uh, he's he's like a media specialty guy, Adam Seaborn. He's like, oh, this this is one of the rare nights where. Rogers probably wishes they didn't have Leafs Habs as their highlight because George Springer is making his Blue Jays debut. And then they were down eight nothing after the third. Yeah, he's he like, went well, over four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I mean it, I mean, listen, good theory. Good Not all theory. good theories are you know end up that way. Stuff. I am very about baseball is it's always on the next night anyway. Yeah. Sorry, Jesse, go ahead. I was just gonna say I'm very excited for Oilers Leafs. Like I, th- I think that's what's gonna happen. The scenario you played out there, Steve, that looks like it's gonna happen. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm gonna guarantee it. And I think the Leafs are gonna take that matchup because of what we've seen so far in the regular season, where they've kind of had the Oilers number, especially when they. Here's my concern. My concern with that is playoff Mike around. Smith. Uh, my concern with that is getting past the first round. Well, yeah. I won't believe they can do it until they do. Yeah. To the I mean? decimated there's, Habs? Like, you're scared of that? No, no, I'm not Jesse, scared of don't it. put anything by it. Oh, yeah, Jesse, Leafs. I am not scared of the Habs. I am scared of the Leafs. You see, that, but this that's the, unreasonable. I don't believe in unreasonable. It absolutely thing. is not. All right, here we go. It absolutely is not. Ding, ding, let's go. And Jesse, they haven't done it since 2004. Uh, Everyone was like, My- Michael Jordan, he can, he can do it. He can, until he freaking did it, he could not prove that he you, could do it. Why are you comparing the Leafs to Michael Jordan? Because we compare everything in hockey to Michael Jordan for some reason now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's how it works. Yeah. That's how it works. No, but listen, <laughs> they should there's no reason to believe that they should lose to whoever their first round opponent is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I will not sleep eight hours consecutively until they do. <laughs> there Does that are, make sense? Is there that are fair? Two, there are two very mediocre teams fl- fighting for that last spot. Yeah. I, Vancouver, Some would argue three mediocre teams. Yeah, yes. uh, are we ruling out Vancouver or Calgary right now? Because one of them's still in it, I guess. Cal- I I I ruled that Vancouver. I'm ruling really it. Yeah, ruling especially because they lost last they night. Lo- yeah, had they not lost, remember it was the Durant's tweet. Oh, if they win four in a row, yeah. they'll have a forty-two percent chance. And it's I like, think, I think it was no. tongue-in-cheek from Durant's. Yeah, of um, course, of course. But, but yeah. since their little miracle back-to-back against the Leafs, they have not looked good because they're not very good. I oh, think the Leafs enough. will handle Calgary or Montreal, and it looks like it's going to be Montreal with like five less bodies than they should have. So I'm not concerned. Come or, on, guys, the, have mean, some faith in your team. Yeah, I, I, I do really think they would beat Montreal, but do it. <laughs> do it first. <laughs> yeah. Please do it. They play the games for a reason. Hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. It's going to be very, very interesting. Now, 
I want to mention a couple of things here. Uh, first off, a little shout out to the NWHL. They have doubled their salary cap going into next season. It was 150000 per team. It will now be 300000 per team. Uh, so that's really interesting. And there's an article in a story right now at sportsnet.ca talking about how um, they are willing to uh, open to, and I think they've, they've you know, when we had um, Danny Ryland, the former commissioner on, open to many fences with the PWHPA um, and have remained so. I don't know if that feeling is reciprocated for the PWHPA, but I wouldn't want to speak for them. However, that's pretty attractive uh, if you're a professional hockey player. You know, salary caps doubling and, you know, that that might be a game changer in this deadlock. And yep. Jana Hefford tweeted her her praise of it uh, mm-hmm. and her affiliation with the PWHPA is no- noteworthy uh, in this case. Also on the NWHL front, uh, Toronto Six's uh, star player, Michaela Grant Mentis, was named league MVP. That's a round of applause for her. A number 13 as Toronto's best player. Never seen it before. Never. Never not once. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never not once. Um, <laughs> Jesus, Steve. We were hoping it would be the guy over Jesse's shoulder, but he never showed up. That's true. Steve Nash. Now, let's never talk about, um, by the way, the other thing that's hanging up there, I got that for Jesse. So I'm glad he still has it. Did yeah, you? Yeah. I like my Toronto Retinas shirt. Where, where, when, how long ago? It was a while ago. Is that a baseball shirt? Yeah, it's like a baseball tee, kind of. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. yeah it's for the summer. Arenas. It's got meshing stuff. It's nice. I like it. Cool. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't got it for uh, me. Is for it big birthday. enough for you, Jesse? Pieces. Yeah, it like, still it, fits. Yeah. It if, it's like a, if it's like a nice summer day, it's like a uh, breezy tea. You know? It sounds like a drink. <laughs> that I would drink at the park if it were legal in Toronto, which apparently it won't be, but people will do it anyway. No. Um, I want to read this story that Elliot Friedman gave to 31 Thoughts. Uh, this, and this is talking about the, uh, the rights fees um, and the switchover from you know, uh, one broadcasting network to the other. So um, uh, basically, um, he said when I – when CBC was negotiating to keep the rights prior to the 14-15 season, we were told, and Elliot, you have to remember, 31 Thoughts was a CBC column, and Elliot was a CBC personality. Is that how old 31 Thoughts is? Oh, yeah. I remember oh. being on this show, and you saying, like, when we first started, I said, "Who should? what do I need to read each week to get a little bit more educated and, and to make sure I'm up on things and stuff? And the first thing you said was 31 Thoughts, and you said it's 30. cbc.ca. 30, 30 thoughts. 30, 30 thoughts, yeah. right? And next year, it'll yes. be 32, 32. 32 thoughts. Yeah, because 30 thoughts. Right. Yeah. And yeah. really, it's like 38 thoughts. Uh, but, you know, he can't pare it down. It's, it's too much full, Elliot information. Full column followed by 31 thoughts. Right. Yeah. yeah. So this is uh, Elliot talking about the rights deal when, when Rogers came in and made their big push. So uh, when CBC was negotiating to keep the rights prior to the 2014-15 season, CBC was told they would have to pay more for a lesser package than the one they'd already had. Ultimately, the massive Rogers bid changed everything, but CBC wasn't crazy about the idea. And the CBC, if you don't know, is a publicly funded broadcaster in Canada, not unlike PBS, but a lot more like, say, BBC. Right. And you know, PBS is, is privately funded by the public, whereas the public publicly funds it here. It's government-funded broadcaster. And... Um, Anyway, long story short, um, 
it was very interesting. He said, the euphoria of winning a bidding war, he said, I live both of the both sides of this, the euphoria of winning a bidding war, knowing a fresh, exciting property is coming to your network and the crushing disappointment of losing something that is, quote, yours, something you've poured your heart into and the uncertainty of it and that what that creates. Um, he's talking about, you know, NBC because NBC has a lot of great people doing hockey every single day. And, you know, I bet a lot of those people just end up at ESPN or TNT because they're already great. Like they already have a profile in the sport. Why not? But it's also very scary. And this is what he had to say. They don't know that. Yeah. I remember the day CBC lost the rights. So listening to the company conference call from the hospital where our family was going through a rough time. So imagine, eh? it absolutely sucked. Other than that, I have almost no memories of that season. I was in a fog and didn't snap out of it for months until Mike Babcock, then in Detroit, asked how I was handling the transition and hearing the answer said I had to snap out of it because, quote, your family is depending on you. When I was hired by Sportsnet, they told me I had a really strong year uh, after we knew we lost the rights. Honestly, I don't remember but I've used that as something that could help others. Even if your brain is mush, you've still got to grind. The right people are always watching. And if you shine in challenging times, they're going to notice. I thought that was pretty cool. He, I, man, that was, uh, I, I was at CBC when it was first reported and I could have cried. I could have cried because that the, the, they were already losing so much money mm-hmm. and so many people were getting laid off. And it was, it was miserable. Like Frank, the, to be Frank, it was everyone there was because, miserable. because the government in power at the time too, was under, was on purposely defunding it. Um, because that was, was part that of Harper? yeah, that was Back a then? conservative minority government. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it, no, it was heartbreaking. And then, you know, like news, news trickles out about what their, what their plans are. And, you know, I, I was, you know, writing highlight packs at the time. And, you know, I, I wasn't top priority. And then, you, you know, the, the hires start trickling out and, oh, this guy got hired by Sportsnet, this person and, and someone from CBC who I was given the impression did not like me was given a, like a managerial role. And wow. that was another one where I was like, oh my God, I'm going to cry. Like, I, like, so I'm never getting in there then. So there's nowhere to work. So I got to go to, I got to go to TSN or bust. I got to, I got to go to TSN or I'm not going to get in anywhere. And I had two meetings with the VP of TSN, 20 minute meetings. And he's like, if I could hire you right now, I would, but it's, it's not up to me. Uh, I don't, I don't remember if I put these things specifically in the book. Not that one, but you, I, you did put the, the sports net, um, the Sportsnet interview, the original one in the book. Oh, the original one where I didn't get in the worst job interview of my entire life. <laughs> uh, and and let me, I had some pretty bad ones. Well, What's to be that fair, that called? guy's gone and probably for a good reason. It's called, I'm glad you asked, Jesse. It's called, uh, this team is ruining my life, but I love them. How I became a professional hockey fan, Steve Tangle Glenn. This is an advanced reading copy. If you want one with more spelling mistakes than the other ones in stores, you can get this one right here. Um, no. So, but then I ended up getting hired by that guy or working under that guy, you know? So can't believe everything you hear, even the things about yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> is what I learned, but it was uh, an extraordinarily challenging time. And so the, the reason I jumped in and said, you know, those employees at NBC who are, will probably go on to work at ESPN or TNT. Here's hoping. They, they oh, yes, but they don't know that. Right. Yeah. So when I was at CBC, uh, 
I did not know that. I didn't know that I'd be getting a call. I got a call like less than a month before the season was supposed to begin in 1415, um, asking me to work at Rogers. Cause you, I remember, um, I remember that because we were talking about it on the show and like, it's like, well, do I have to work with the KHL again? Like, so I can work the entire season and they might yeah. pay me. Maybe. We had just started the podcast. You got me that tech savvy deal, Adam. And right. I don't know what we would have done. I don't know what we would have done if I never got that tech savvy deal because the day after our wedding, Hey, thank God for the Italian side. Hey, the Busta. Uh, but, but the day after the wedding, before we went to the bank to deposit the money we got from the wedding, um, we had $900 to our name. You know, we had, uh, we had, we had like a mortgage payment and I don't know, maybe a couple big Macs <laughs> to our name, uh, basically. And had you not helped get me that tech savvy deal? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, well, to be fair, you got you that tech savvy deal. I just negotiated the price, but I'm glad. That I wasn't going to ask for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that it worked out, but you know, that's, it's crazy. You know, it, it's funny when I think about time, back then, how close run some things were like, you know, Steve oh. could have at any point got a job as like a reporter and then, he, you know, be on the road and we wouldn't have been able to continue the podcast or, you know, like there's a bunch of things that could have happened that would have conspired against this show happening. I almost went Jesse, to Russia. Jesse never applying at KISS. Um, and like if Jesse hadn't sent in his resume and impressed the hell out of my boss, Karen, who, by the way, is my still still my boss, Karen, um, he would have never been an intern and then never been a producer and then never been brought in when Chris left the original producer on this show and we wouldn't be here. It's uh, it's pretty crazy. It was like, you know, the edge of a knife on like you're, you're kind of walking on to yeah. get to this point. We're lucky, lucky to be here. And so anybody that's going through that right now, uh, our hearts go out to you. It's really, really tough when those things switch. And um, I have to say NBC did a really great job. Um, and it was funny to hear the American perspective on Hockey and the way it was broadcast, like Sarah Sivian of The Athletic was tweeting that, you know, when she's when she watches Canadian feeds, it feels like an event. And I'm like, fuck, when I watch American feeds, it feels like an event. Canadian, I'm like, <laughs> we need to. And I think it's because when I watch American feeds for anything, it's it's not hockey. It's basketball and football, which are my two favorite other sports other than like motor racing. So um football it's like it's going to be every every game feels like it's the last game to ever get played and i feel like hockey needs to get to that and i hope espn and tnt are able to turn it into that uh because it would be really great to elevate just the energy surrounding what is an extremely energetic and competitive and amazing game mm -hmm. the one thing so i'm excited to see in regards to uh, the coverage that you mentioned there, Adam, just the American coverage, the way they do football, it's like the pregame for football can start at like 9 a.m. here on the East Coast. Like you can turn like on the TV things. and you'll see like the pre-pregame show of the ESPN coverage of Sunday football. And it'll start at like 9 and then it goes from like 9 to 11 and at 11 you get the pre of the pregame show. And then at noon you get the pregame show and then you get the games at 1. And it's yeah. like I'm I'm excited to see the NHL coverage in the 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 shows around the games because they do such a great job with that stuff like the jump that they've created around basketball that you wake up to every morning there's just a basketball morning show on so i'm excited <sighs> what espn or tnt creates around hockey like if you get Wouldn't it be sick to do a hockey morning show yeah that's I they have just 
die. I Hopefully would they die. create something like that. That's what I'm excited. Die and go to heaven. Yeah. Oh, it's. I love the buzz of those days. Yeah. The, the trade deadline. Like I just, I just, I love the buzz. Mm-hmm. Even something as dumb as, <laughs> you, you know what I'm glad to say. Like, okay, I did one. I did one. At least I did one. When I was working for the Steelheads, and I got to be on the ice for a teddy bear toss. <laughs> like fun no because the whole day like as the staff working that game you're waiting for the first goal when's it coming when's it coming and then it comes in ah thousands of teddy bears and it takes forever to clean up mm-hmm. they drive trucks onto the ice i start smelling gas i'm like well, oh they're driving trucks onto the ice thank god because this would take an eternity otherwise I love the buzz. They got to create a buzz. Yeah, we love do. We, we need to do a better job of that. I guess the states do too. Hockey needs a buzz around it. And Jesse, it's so funny that you mentioned that. There are rounds of panels. Mm-hmm. Each each two or three hour block has a new round, but there's the main panel. They always go back to at least once an hour who are going to take it to the pregame show later on that afternoon. But I love like they'll, they'll bring in some color. They'll be like Frank Caliendo will come in and do a bunch of impressions of Shaq. And it'll make you laugh and stuff like that. No, they they sprint. They they do great player features and things like that. I don't know. I would just be nice. Imagine there was a buildup of all day. Like we do hockey day in Canada one day a year. It's like a weekly trade deadline. Yeah, that's. I don't know. I think that would be fantastic. I just don't know if the economics support it. Frankly, you know, like in the states, there's a lot more people, a lot more money. Yeah, you're gonna get the ratings if you air a hockey show in the middle of the afternoon. You know. Yeah, I just don't know that the money's there. We'll see. Just don't know. Hopefully. Yeah. Um, now, if we keep going here, I, I do want to mention a couple of things from uh, uh, from Elliot Friedman's 31 Thoughts. We'll, we'll stay super quick on these ones because there's one major thing that Jesse requested we get to, and we will. Uh, the Rod Brindamore extension talks. Um, Elliot wrote point number eight in 31 Thoughts. For a while now, teams have indicated that they'd like to rein in coaching slash front office salaries. Of course they would because they're cheap. And... We're going to get an indication of how serious that really is over the next little while. Carolina's Tom Dundon is one owner who's mentioned it publicly, and the Hurricanes are working on an extension with Brindamore, who sets the tone for a really good team. A month ago, I heard it was a foregone conclusion, but then was warned it was tougher, say, a tougher grind than anybody could have hoped or wanted. I, be- I don't believe Brindamore wants to go anywhere. I have always believed this gets done, but it's been a challenge. I don't think you're reining in coach good coaches. I think they're going to make what they're going to make. It's they're, just you money. You can't reverse that. It's just money. Like, like to, if Tom Dundon somehow listens to this, think of the stupid shit you have spent money on in your career. You could spend it on such so much dumber things than Rod Brindamore. He's at least a top 10 coach in this league. Probably top five. Like, he's fantastic. Look what he's done with the Hurricanes. No one would be shocked to see them win at all. Mm-hmm. Give him his money. It costs you money. That's it. And look at what happens to teams when really good coaches walk away. Washington. Oh, I, well, I mean, they're still good. They are. But have but, they been the same? No. 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 I bet I'm willing to bet they wish they gave Barry Trost the money. Yeah. Because you got to look at how much did it cost me. It's just round of the playoffs would have paid Barry Trotz's salary for the entire next season. One round, one extra round. What about this uh, American TV money coming in? Yeah. You know, you, you, t- you talk about the salary cap and, oh, we can do this. It's just money. Well, how much money did, didn't Tom Dundon get, go in on, was it arena football or the, the XFL. XFL? Was it XFL. the XFL? And he lost money on that, like a hundred million bucks or something yeah. like that? Or 
pulled his money or there was something. And for a fraction of that, you can have Rod Brindamore forever. Take that. <laughs> Travis Green uh, is also up in Vancouver and there's talk that he wants to get that done and they want to get that done, which is good. I think he's a good fit there. Don't cheap out on the one non-salary cap signing you're going to make this year. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> um, now, um, I thought this was interesting if you're just a Leaf fan or if you're a Blue Jackets fan, you probably already know this, but uh, point number 11, text from one exec after Nick Felino's first two games in Toronto. The quote is, have you noticed anything unusual he does? Elliot said, I hadn't. He pointed out that Felino switches hands on the penalty kill to maximize reach in passing lanes. That's a good one. Uh, and the executive wrote, good to see you're paying attention to the games that you work. Switches huh. hands, switches hands. In, in terms of stick? I think he switches like, sides. I'm going to look out for it now. He Wait, grabs like he go- a different stick. I think that's what he's saying. The, no. Is he not, I what think what he's saying, saying is, is he... Oh, well, he just, okay, so he's a lefty. So you would think he reaches with his... Right. So he might take his left-handed stick with his right hand and swing around. Like kind of like how Tyson Berry would receive okay. uh passes. He would he would change handedness and receive the puck on his backhand. Is that right? He, now I'm gonna right, look for right, it. Right. I'm gonna look for it. I don't know. I didn't I was hoping that you guys could tell me because that's what I think. we as. would notice if Nick Felino randomly had a right-handed stick. <laughs> that's why I'm freaking out. <laughs> like, <Man>. Surely <laughs> I think we would have noticed you, that. <laughs> sorry, you're asking us to notice my minute, minute details. Come on now. Uh, that's not what we specialize in. It's gross generalizations and hot takes on this show. Are you kidding <laughs> don't me? You dare, don't you dare tug on my cape. Anyway. I, I better notice that. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of cool. That's what it, it is. No matter what it is, it's still kind of cool. Mm-hmm. It's surprising to me that that is something that's rare. Like rare enough that it's noteworthy. Right. I think probably players are too afraid to get burned on it. Yeah. If you're reaching well, for the like, puck with your opposite hand. Yeah. You want to intercept passes, but you also don't want to misplay the thing. Yeah. 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 yeah, huh. yeah. Interesting. Um, okay. So um, definitely something to look for. Also, um, this is this is something that I uh, Jesse requested we bring this up. Jake Paul versus Floyd Mayweather. Logan. <laughs> Logan Paul. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Not the Logan one Paul. who just Jake. had a boxing match with uh, Ben Askren has been training for a long time. The other one who lost a boxing match to another YouTuber. Logan, yeah. who lost to KSI, will fight the greatest boxer of all time. June 6th in the same place they play the Super Bowl in that stadium in Miami. He's going to fight. I think it's that stadium. He's going to fight the greatest boxer of all time, a YouTuber. I think it's a wild thing that's happening in reality. (laughs) I had a conversation with someone in person, so it was over a year ago, Mm -hmm. uh, about the Logan Paul KSI fight. Okay. And I go, you need to be covering this. because Okay, you don't know who either of these people are, I'm sure. But here's Logan Paul's YouTube page. All right. See those numbers. All right. Here's KSI's YouTube page. See those numbers. All right. Okay. They're going to play each other or they're going to fight each other. And unless there's a significant game in a certain sport that day, I think it was in the summer. I I go, this will be the biggest sporting event of the day. Mm -hmm. And they just looked at me like I was a Martian. And here we are (laughs) about a year and a half later. And Logan Paul is fighting Floyd Mayweather. The greatest boxer of all time is fighting the Paul brother who is least good at boxing. <laughs> Zero hyperbole. That's what's happening. Actually, in life, mm-hmm. in like less than two months, 
Yep. June 6th. That's unbelievable. Yeah. That's absolutely unbelievable. It's, it's, it's a ridiculous thing. And it's going to generate so much money. Like, that's the thing. Both of these guys, uh, Jake, uh, on two Saturdays ago when he fought Ben Askren, he made in that one fight more money than any UFC fighter has made in their career in one match. Like, well, that's he because got, Dana, Dana White makes all the UFC fighters money. Right, but you'd think like, like Conor McGregor. The salary's a little lower than that. you think Conor McGregor or um, like Chael Sonnen or Anderson Silva or just someone would have had a big payday bigger than freaking Jake Paul. But Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Man, and what a what a card. <laughs> what a card uh, on the weekend. Just just what a, what a everything. Every match had something ridiculous happen in it. Oh, the UFC uh, card? Like, yes. Yeah. But this yeah. is literally a YouTuber with zero boxing wins mm-hmm. and like several inches and 30 pounds on Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> Different weight class, completely. Versus oh, Floyd yeah. Mayweather. Like, I don't even. Okay, that's another thing. How will this match get sanctioned they're, so they're not the same exhibition. size they're not close so they've they've deemed it an exhibition it's not a sanction like for the records boxing match it's just an exhibition between these two individuals and they're gonna box and they each have to stay within a particular weight um that, that's different from each other too so like so, the specifics are like well, I think was it Floyd's like one thirty and Jake's got to be like one fifty or within ten pounds of it or something like that. It's got to be they're both they both have different parameters that right. will allow this fight to happen. Right, they're not the within the same weight class. So yeah. this would not alter Mayweather's record no. if he were to lose. No, but you know <laughs> what I have won't, But the the Paul brothers are really good at at this one thing, mm-hmm. and that's being the villain. They're really good at being the most hateable people. And hateable people have huge followings, as we've seen in politics. Hey. And, oh. and it's, it's, it's one of those things where they set themselves up each and every time to win, even if they lose. So if he loses this fight to Mayweather, well, you lost to Floyd Mayweather. Everybody expected that. And you still walk away rich. If you beat Floyd Mayweather, which is, which is crazy to think about, too. But if he does, fake. then he's like... Then he beat Floyd Mayweather and he's still rich. Like there's no losing this because he's supposed to lose. So the worst he can do, the worst that can happen is, well, every, every, everything happened that we expected to happen. And this is what, what it's like when an average Joe steps into the ring with a real like certified killer with, you know, in terms of boxing, like just an unbelievable boxer. We get to see pros versus Joe's. That's what this 100%. is. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that yeah. old show from the score? Oh man, I used to watch that. Or Spike TV Ooh, or whatever. He was on that. Yeah. Yes, so good. Uh, guys like, um, yeah, I think it was Claude Lemieux, and there was a few like NBA and NFL players on that. But mm-hmm. anyway, long story short, I think the Paul brothers just set it up. They stack the deck in their favor each and every time because they've got the following to do so, and they cannot. People are like, oh, I just can't wait for them to get beat up. Guys, even if they did. It doesn't matter. They're they still going to win. There's, yeah. Because they don't step into any situation where they can't win. Jake Paul went to a UFC card with the intention of getting booed out of the building. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, that's why he went there. He wasn't there like, oh, I want to see the fights. But he was there to be seen and booed and get into an altercation with Daniel Cormier. <laughs> like One of the most decorated mixed martial artists of all time. And, and he's Daniel like, Cormier. 
calling him a dick. You did what? for what? I, yeah, I interviewed Daniel Cormier for um, oh, yeah. uh, Entertainment City, believe it or not. <laughs> no, like, like what was he promoting? I think he was promoting what was your world this week because we had when I was working at Rogers. Remember, I worked for um, Channel One, yeah. which was the channel that was like, here's what's happening on the cable. This dish. <laughs> can, we, we had... can we contact that for people? So, yeah, so there's... The... <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. No, no, you know, know, there's, movie guy. I'm interested to hear your perspective. There's on it. two major cable networks in Canada, especially, well, in Ontario specifically uh, yeah. Bell and Rogers. SDPN. Roger. Oh, sorry. three, three major cable networks. Three. SDPN. Visit sdpn.ca for all of your Steve Diego podcast merch. Uh, Rogers and Bell. And at, when you turn on a Rogers box, every time you turn it off, you turn it on, it turns to a Rogers channel. So like the default, uh, like the homepage of your cable box. And Adam used to be the running loop TV that ran on the default cable channel of the major cable network that is in Ontario. It's a wild Which, thing. As his friend, that. as his friend. <laughs> weird right. <laughs> yeah because every time you turn on your cable box i was there there every is time. just every time every time <laughs> and it ran in a half an hour loop and we recorded it every week so i did a bunch of interviews with like weird like i would have never done these interviews but a ton of sports interviews a ton of sports interviews because of that and daniel cormier was one of them and he was awesome like such a nice guy really uh like you expect people to be you know win a sport like that to be intense super relaxed, one of the most personable people I ever interviewed. And I remember actually, I did tell you guys I interviewed him because I didn't know much about UFC. And I walked in that day and then it came out on the podcast. And you were guys who were like, what? No, that was, I think that was Chris Weidman. Who oh, was that was Chris Weidman, yes. While yes, he sorry. was champion, like yes. fresh off of like a victory or two against Anderson Silva, like greatest mixed martial artist of all time at the time. And you're like, yeah, I talked to Chris Weidman. I'm like, what? Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I oh, held I, I held the belt. Ah! That's cool. That's cool. Adam. <laughs> oh, back when the UFC belts were cool. Yeah, it was. Pretty that must shit. have been a really fun gig for the time being, because like you, got, they would have to give you the biggest anybody just to fill up the mm -hmm. time in that channel, right? Yeah, yeah. So they would come off, and it was great because Dina, Dina at BT was so awesome, and Steve, I you were on BT the other day with Sid Sixero, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so Dina was so great because she could literally interview anyone. Like she ended up on world star once because she, uh, who was that with? Oh, a vibe was it cartel. Beanie Man? Beanie Man. Oh, was it? Okay. Wrong, it was Beanie Man. Wrong it was Beanie Man. Uh, and, and like her and Beanie Man, like started like freestyling together. And then she ended up on, on that, uh, on world star. And then like world star, like complimented her on her freestyle skills, which is wild. So yeah. Dina had this ability to just make people feel warm. So by the time I got to interview them, they were already in a good mood. So all I had to do was come in and be friendly and ask a few questions and, you know, we would be clipping them. So there'd be a 30 second or 40 second thing. It wasn't that big of like a long interview. Um, so I got to, you know, interviews, interviews, interviews. I think I did three or four a day. And that was when you guys just make fun of me. It was like, I had four jobs. That's what it was. It was BT kiss and then this show and then this channel one gig. And so, yeah, I got to interview just things. I forget. Like I got to interview Spike Lee. That's like, cool. Crazy. Right. Yeah. Like this, ugh, your resume is, you know, and I got to interview like, you know, like mega death. And then I got to interview, um, Oh God, uh, Buster Rhymes at the Grammys and like st shit that you're like, remember designer? 
mm-hmm. Panda, Panda. Yeah, 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 yeah. Him yeah. and his mom. I got to interview him and his mom. That's fun. And I ended up on, and I got on DJ Khaled's uh, uh, Snapchat at the 2016 Grammys. Like it was just stupid. Like I remember, like afterwards, I was like, "Oh, there I am." <laughs> he came in and, and, and he like put me on his Snapchat. Yeah, it was, it was just weird. Anyway, so I got really, really lucky with that gig. It was just kind of a dumb luck thing that you fall into. That man, it was fun. It was a really fun thing. Um, anyway, Jake Paul, Floyd Mayweather. That's gonna be fun to watch. And I have to say. Uh, nobody plays the the villain role better than the Paul brothers. Those guys just know how to play it. And they've got legions of fans and they're doing extremely well at being the bad guy. Um, Both of their main channels, by the way, uh, are up over 20 million subscribers. So it's ridiculous. Sorry, I was trying to find the Dina clip. Uh, Sorry, what were we we saying? Who should Steve fight? Oh, who wants it? It's got to be the hockey guy. It's Is Steve, the hockey guy? Steve oh. and the hockey guy in a boxing match. We put it on at the rec room in downtown Toronto. We get a, we get a ring in there and they fight. And then the loser and then has we to rig delete. it. <laughs> no, we rig it to yeah. be made a draw so that we can have the rematch in Vancouver. <laughs> like Logan Paul KSI, right? Yeah, yeah. No, we have it has no, to be rigged. It. Yeah. It has to be rigged. Yeah. It's important that it's rigged to the business model. It's very important. <laughs> Would you rather fight the hockey guy or Coach Jeremy? Oh, no offense, Shannon, but I don't want to fight Coach Jeremy. Coach Jeremy's in really good shape. Remember when he's in really good shape? He's tall, athletic, played hockey his whole life. Yeah. Nasher? Can you can you fight Nasher? Your boxing match? He seems too friendly. What's up, gang? I'm about to beat this guy's ass for challenging me to a boxing match. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I want to be challenging Nasher, man. I don't know. Boomstick. Shan Boomstick, I call him for his now deceased Twitter name. He just, he seems too calm. But maybe maybe he's like one of those guys who, you know, he's calm until you push him and then he brings the pain. Mm. Mm. Only, only one way to find out. <laughs> to fight him. Straight up fight we him. We call it celebrity with a question mark. Hockey YouTuber. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> wow. We can buy a lot of tickets. That's the match. Yeah, it's the, uh, the the two of you. But you know what we should instead? What we should do, and it should be for charity, is we should do it where it's Mike Tyson's punch out. Oh, it's a good where, idea. And nobody gets to be Mike Tyson because that's not fair. Oh, the video game. Yeah. I, in my head, I was like, oh, I have to dress up like Last Joe. No, I got it. We boxing. Oh. <gasps> <laughs> we get, we get oh, OP. And it, they yeah, yeah, boxed yeah. for the championship. Oh, oh. Now we got to find two Nintendo Wii's that still work. Oh, we got uh, I, I had yeah. one once. I don't know what happened to it, but uh, oh, we boxing. You ready to catch these digital hands? <laughs> <laughs> and the. Yeah. Theme song. <laughs> did, did you guys just stand there like this and cheat and just move your wrists? Because the and I, remember, I have never cheated in video games my entire life. Because <laughs> the dumb the thing bowling, to do yeah. is actually move your arms. You know, it's just yeah, all about the no, wrist action. Yeah. Yeah. I may or may not have temporarily had a Wii and used my arms. I have a feeling that Steve was the kind of guy who lost control of his Wii controller and it went through the TV. <laughs> Did, did, yes, it, did you use the wristbands? Of the, no, oh, I always had the wristbands. Mm-hmm. I would, I would play, I would play uh, Punch Out before it was Mike Tyson's Punch Out. It was just Punch Out. 
where it was Mr. Dream instead of Ooh. Mike Tyson. And I would play that and Tecmo World Wrestling until I had to tape my thumbs. Like, because I couldn't play through the blisters. I uh, I was a an absolute a lot killer at Mario Kart Wii. An absolute oh. killer. I hated racing Did games. you use killer. the steering wheel or just the controller? Steering wheel. Steering wheel guy? Okay. It was the only thing I had in Halifax that was basically free to do. Because at that point, you didn't have to pay to race other people online. So you'd see, like, the flags come up. And, like, and, and we there was no headset, I don't believe at least not when I was playing. So you couldn't talk to anybody. How would you? But I was just every game. People. W's, W's. All, like it was number one, number one, number one, number one. Because that's all I did. I was pouring in Halifax. Damn. You didn't yeah. have beer? Most bars per capita. North yeah. America. Well, I didn't have most money per capita. So <laughs> that, that was when I used to drink at home and have a beer at the bar and make it last as long as I could because I couldn't. I had to show up drunk. Basically. Really? You didn't quad fist like we did in Guelph? Well, that was there was dollar beers. Yeah, I could dollar sh- or two dollars shot it for a bit. But if I spent more than about twenty bucks at the bar, I was blowing budget for the week. Adam and I at last call one night. We've told the story a thousand times, I'm sure, but we got four beers at last call, two in each hand, and we pushed them together like Oktoberfest, <laughs> and that's how we held them. And this girl tried to crowd surf. And it was unsuccessful because she was surrounded by men who had four beer in their hands. So we all so, got out of the way. So she just sort of fell through a table and like it was, WWE. And <laughs> it was a face plant like I've never seen before or since. I've, I've never, her hands didn't get out in front of her. So she should a, not have done that. She no. didn't ask us. We didn't know her. And it was an acoustic band too. It was like two guys. <laughs> it was just dumb. Like, what are you doing? Did, anyway, she's probably like, here. I don't, I don't know. know. She's probably like a successful person now <laughs> who like, you know, married kids, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> but one time. Anyway, uh, let's get into the press conference. The Presser SDP. The Steve Dangle Press Conference. Now, before Steve we get has, to Jesse asking oh, questions, Stephen, Stephen. <laughs> I, I started talking and you started talking. My bad. Awesome. <laughs> Go ahead. It's clean. Headline from Sportsnet. Yarmir Yager at age 49 helped lead the team he owns back to the top division in the Czech Extra Liga. So it was him and I think Thomas Blakanitz, his teammates, playing in the Czech Tier 2 League. Like, well, I don't know if Blakanitz is in his 40s, but Yager's almost 50. And now their team is going to get uh, promoted to Tier 1. That's pretty cool. Cool Good for them. them. Good for Good them. them. Did you hear um, the other breaking news? Uh, Larry Tannenbaum is going to join the Raptors as their new point guard, and he's going to try to lead them to uh, the playoffs. That's very cool. That's you. You know, he felt inspired to do that when I drunkenly walked up to him and said he was doing a good job. Yeah, yeah, and he he saw Yager, and he said, (laughs) he said, Yager, you know, you can do it. I can do it. Yeah, I'm doing a good job there. I'm sure Larry Tannenbaum really needed you to say that to him. (laughs) He did. He said, "Hey, Larry." Thanks. My thanks. I mean, he just kept walking, and I'm lucky I didn't get punched by security. <laughs> All right. Uh, Matt, uh, Matt, I'm going to butcher your last name here. It's Wurovski. Wurovski? Wurovski? Matt. Anyway, it's Matt on Twitter tweeted this at me. He said, you made some great points a couple SDPs ago about, a top, about the top 16 teams making the playoffs. This is a hybrid proposal if you're interested. Love your thoughts and contributions on the podcast. Thank you, Matt. So, do we want to go through Matt's proposal? Because I thought it'd be kind of fun and it's quite detailed. Are you guys into it? Hit me. Real quick. Jess, you into it? 
Okay. Yes. Yes. So here's how it starts. The 2018-19 Montreal Canadiens finished with 96 points, 14th overall in the NHL and 9th in the East. They weren't able to compete in the playoffs, even though they finished ahead of Dallas, Vegas, and Colorado, respectively. Kind of crazy when you think about it. Montreal, in this format, would play Colorado, second wildcard team, finishing 17th overall in a one-game elimination game. The winner keeps or takes over that wildcard slot in the divisional playoff bracket. You with me? Yes. This team, which is this is something the CFL did. They did a crossover. This team, yeah, but there's sorry, this six, keeps, <laughs> there's eight teams in the CFL. This keeps the integrity of both finishing in the top 16, Montreal, and eighth team in the conference, Colorado, to allow these teams to settle the score between themselves. The goal here is to have all 16 teams get a chance to compete in the Stanley Cup playoffs. This also works if multiple teams finish in the top 16, uh, but out of the playoffs. For example, if two teams in the East are ranked 15th and 16th, while two teams in the West rank 17th and 18th, 15 would face 18 and 16 would face 17, similar to like, you know, the 1-4 seed and the 2-3 seed matchups that we're seeing right now. Do you have any issues with that? An extra game or two as like an elimination play in one game. I did not understand it. That's my so, first. So essentially this, Steve. That's yes. Okay, your team, your team, the team that you own, mm-hmm. that you bought from Larry Tannenbaum, who was doing a we, great job, according to you. Yeah, and uh, he wanted me to do a great job as well. <laughs> so your team and Jesse's team are in the Eastern Conference. My team, along with Leo's team, Leo, your son, who is also a billionaire, um, are in the Western Conference. Because I did a great job. Overall in the NHL, Jesse and Steve, you guys finished 15 and 16. Overall in the NHL, my team and Leo team, Leo's team finished 17th and 18th. However, because the East is more competitive, my team and Leo's team makes it, while your two teams, objectively in points, better than our two teams, because you're in a different conference, do not. What the proposal is, is that... Team 15 would play team 18 and 16 would play 17. And then we could kind of fight it out for who actually gets to get in. So that would mean that all top 16 teams have a chance at least to play for the playoffs. What do you think? I can't decide if I like it because like, I do like that baseball expanded the playoffs. I do, but well, they need, they had like four teams make it. It was a little ridiculous. Baseball needed to. Right. But every year the wild card team makes it, the team they beat got jobbed. Every year. Every year. Because of one game. Mm. Like, is this a seven game series or like, is no, this a one, one game, game plan? You can't have five rounds of the Stanley Cup playoffs. You can't do that. It's too much. Mm. So it's either you get jobbed for playing or jobbed for not playing. So what I like about this is that at least you get to play the game. Whereas in the other format, which currently exists, you don't. So you get, if you're, if you're 15 and 16, if you and Jesse are 15 and 16 and you don't make the playoffs, you got jobbed anyway. So at least in this scenario, you get to play for something. Do you hear who we're talking about? We're talking about teams 15 through 18. Mm Mm-hmm. Stop wasting my time, all four of you. That's it, you know what I mean. It's the playoff format is what it is, and if 
on in, in, in an extremely low percentage rare instance, you happen to beat the best team in your conference, then this will be relevant. Until then, you're cannon fodder. Shut up. I kind of like it. I like the format. I like where Matt's going with this. I kind of like it, but like these debates always, I find go somewhere where it takes a long time and i'm like in at the end of it i go we're talking about the 18th place team in the league <laughs> and i just don't have the energy so you're just not right. going to participate in the debate because it because it's because your team's first i, I can guarantee you if the leafs were in this position they were 17th you'd be best let's no we want to be cannon fodder let's go let's get in there and be cannon fodder occasionally you get a cinderella story though and some of those are the best in sports occasionally the habs knock off the pens there you go i guess you're right no you know what a one game winner take all quote unquote series i mean it's exciting as hell it's like, a we've, warm up. We've, we've seen how cool it can be with the jays and orioles right we've seen how cool it could be no one was talking about the integrity of the game and all that shit. We were just talking about how friggin' cool the bat flip was from Edwin. Um, you know what? I'm for it. And didn't didn't the Jays go on to sweep Texas? They sure did. Let us not forget. Jesse, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, uh, I don't know if you guys, you guys don't pay too close attention to the NBA, but they've already gone towards this model slightly because yeah. in each conference, so the seven and eight, so when you finish the season, the seven and eight team, uh, seven versus eight play a one game playoff. The winner of seven versus eight makes the playoffs. The loser of seven versus eight goes on to play the winner of nine versus 10. So nine versus 10 also play a one game playoff. The winner of nine versus 10 plays the loser of seven versus eight. And then that winner gets the final playoff spot. So you have to what lose is that because of COVID. No, that so that's they did that last year for the bubble, and then now they're doing it again this season. They said they're going to keep it moving forward because of the extra revenue it generates. For they have sure. extra four playoff games, and they're all elimination games. You created four game sevens, it's pretty cool. So I like it because it's double elimination. So if you're the say you're the eighth seed, you lose the game to the seventh seed, then you still get another chance to make the playoffs. You don't get screwed, really, really screwed over because you lost this one game playoff. You got another another shot to face a lesser team. And then if you're the nine right. versus eight, so right now the Raptors are, I think 11th in the Eastern conference and it's uh, they're, they're like two games back of Washington for the 10 seed. No, the Raptors, I think are 12th. It doesn't matter. They're two games back of the uh, 10 seed to get into the uh, play in game. So as a Raptors fan, I have something to root for in this lost season. I can be like, okay, let's we're ten, we're eleven games under five hundred. We still got a shot. We're two games back with eight games to go to get into this stupid plan game to lose to the nine seed. You know, I'm still out there watching Raptors games because there's still something to root for. So, for fans in that sense, I like the idea of creating these extra little mini tourneys, mini game sevens to create these extra for these last playoff spots because in the end. It's not going to mean much because we don't expect the eight seed to go to the finals of the league. And it also for these for these uh, teams that would have missed the playoffs, the nine through now, like the Raptors, like I said, they're in 12, nine through like 12 seeds. They're still playing for something at the end of the year where they could have been just giving up because they're 
uh, five games back of an actual playoff spot. Now they're only two games back of this play-in spot. And now I'm still rooting for something, even though there's really nothing to play for. So I love you know what? the idea of these extra playoff games. You're absolutely right. Do it. Do it. You're all cannon fodder, but do it. <laughs> Jesse, next question. Uh, Steve, last week I texted you a question for zoo stories. Yes. Uh, do you have an answer to that question? Do you want to read? Do you want to read it? Do you have your phone in front of you? Or do you want me to? Do you want me to pull it oh, up and read it to you? Okay. Yes, please pull it Is up. It, okay. Oh, oh. <laughs> I remember the gist of it. It was from at Jake underscore Peralta. I assume not the real Jake Peralta from Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, for Steve Could Zoo be. Corner, has Steve ever had to feed dangerous animals? Oh, yeah, sorry. And then Adam camels many times. Be prepared for They're your history very... corner coming up. Okay. Steve, go ahead. I've fed camels. They're very dangerous. No. Uh, so the I worked at the camel rides and the pony rides at the zoo. The camels, I was so much less afraid to feed than the much smaller ponies. That's because the camels, you just feed them flat palmed and they don't even have top teeth. It's just a plate, right? Whereas the pony, if I make a wrong move, it's teeth on both sides and might get a finger taken off. So I don't want that. But you're, I'm assuming you're talking actually dangerous. So the giraffe I'm going to throw into that category. I was safe because the way they feed the giraffes, or at least the way I fed the giraffes, is they basically give you, it's like a like a laundry detergent bottle the with the top cut off, and you fill it with like, I don't know, some sort of grains or giraffe food. I don't, I don't know. And you hold it up to the giraffe who puts their head, they're standing outside and they put their head through this little window in this little house. And, and I've uploaded that picture before. Literally type in Steve Dangle giraffe. It, it should come up on Google. Um, but when I was much younger and before I worked at the zoo, uh, my sister and I got a little behind the scenes tour and I got to feed a carrot to a hippo. Whoa. Yeah, and those are some say the most dangerous animal on earth because I think they have the highest body count. Was that? I would just throw it at the hippo and run. Just throw it. No, I placed it um, like with my own teeth into its mouth. No, you didn't. No, I did not. Um, I can't remember if I did this or if I was standing with someone who did it, but I was in, uh, I was like on the outer edge of the polar bear enclosure when someone threw in a watermelon for the and they just freaking <clears throat> bite the watermelon eat it like it's like it's a truffle like <laughs> it's it's unbelievable and i pet i don't remember if i fed it but i pet a rhino whoa oh, that's cool a, a rhinoceros whoa. for um so the, there's this video for the zoo's carousel and uh you know we we visited a few animals i got to pet an elephant as well um, when we were shooting that uh, uh, right on the ear. So the way they do that is they have these like pillars um, where you can, you can reach through, but obviously the elephant can't get through. Right. So I just gently pet it on its ear and everything, but the rhino um, I was talking about like, it's torn and how people hunt them and talking about conservation and things you can do and whatever. And in between takes, I had my hand on the rhino's horn and something startled it. So it turned its head to the side. And this is just as I had taken my hand off the horn. 
and it boy boy if it smushed my hand between his horn and the post you're done your hand's done i don't know (laughs) i don't know i don't know (laughs) so i was not a keeper um but uh i have got to feed some pretty cool animals i'm trying to think of any others and let me emphasize now that i don't work there anymore and i don't have to be polite to you do not feed the animals when you go to the zoo that's toronto or anywhere you idiot there's an actual statue in the toronto zoo um commemorating this i think it was an orangutan that died because stupid idiots kept feeding it things that it was not supposed to eat so anyway, the only times I, the only times ever that I was able to feed an animal was under the supervision and advisory of a keeper. Wow. There you go. Damn. Crazy. All that's, right. that's I have friends cool. with fish. I got to feed their fish. No. Sorry. Iggy, a fed Iggy. <laughs> Your dog. Dangerous. Charlie. Wild animal. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a big teddy bear. <sighs> I gave Leo minestrone soup. He's got teeth now. That was dangerous. It, right, it does Adam. hurt when they bite you for the first time. Yes, Jesse. Are you ready? Okay. So this comes from at Dave TRW. He wants you to talk about the Canadian housing market. Now, for <laughs> a little bit of context, uh, this is going to be history corner slash uh, just inform the people on your knowledge, Adam. Okay. Because uh, the Canadian heart housing market's if, if I think I'm correct here, is unique to the rest of the world in that it's been in sort of a bubble, as they're saying, for the last like 20 years, and there's no sign of it slowing down. And it's at a ridiculous point where it's an interesting topic of conversation. So, mm-hmm. Adam, if you could do a little history corner on what's currently happening in the Canadian housing market. Okay, so I want to preface this by my knowledge is partial, and I'm sure there's a lot more that real professionals could add to this but but as i understand it um the uh, as of about 2008 2009 right after the crash real estate prices started to go up precipitously like we're talking about huge huge jumps year over year you know whereas you could own a house in vancouver from 1980 to 1990 and it would have gone up maybe two percent a year um, like maybe it was a hundred grand in 1980 and it's 160 or 170 grand in 1990. Um, you know, you have that same house from 2000 to now go from 200 grand to 2 million. And at the same time, you've got, um, you've got salaries about the same, like it, it's kind of scary actually, when you look at average salaries, um, they haven't changed much since the 1980s for the average person, which is terrifying to think. Um, the whole trickle-down economics thing that the Americans tried failed. Um, and it turns out that, uh, you know, when you pay more for your employees, that looks really bad to shareholders. So, um, so where is this money coming from? And why is this happening? Canada is a big country. If you look at the landmass of Canada, there shouldn't be a concentration of expensive real estate in the sense that there is. And a couple of factors are contributing to this. Number one, money's cheap to rent right now. If you're renting money, basically borrowing money, your interest rates at the lowest it's literally ever been. When my dad bought his first house in the 1980s, interest rates were at like 15%. They're now at 
less than two. So you can imagine that housing prices go up a lot. And part of the reason that drives the price is A, money's cheap. B, your lending potential is exponentially higher than it used to be. Uh, and C, there's a lack of demand, or sorry, there's a lack of supply. So when you have in any capitalist system, lack of supply drives up the price. Um, Canada also has an interesting situation and, and nobody really likes to talk about this, but there's only so much of Canada you really want to live in. Now, there are people that will tell you, well, I, I like the rugged wilderness and those people exist and all the power to them. But on the whole, the majority of people do not want to live in Canada's rugged wilderness. Big difference between Canada's rugged wilderness and say, I don't know, Alabama's rugged wilderness, big difference. And most of it's temperature related. And, uh, you know, how do you make money? How do you do things that, um, that will allow you to sustain life? And it's very, very difficult in Northern Canada uh, to be able to do that. So people tend to congregate in the Southern cities, like Edmonton's, uh, I think one of the most populous Northern cities in the world, if not the high, it's, I believe Edmonton's population is the highest for a city that far North in the entire world, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so what's happened is that, uh, especially in Southern Ontario, where, you know, there's, it's already the center of commerce um, and business. Um, you get a lot of people and it's a, a situation where there isn't a lot of inventory um, money's cheap to rent. People are leveraging themselves to the absolute maximum, which is extremely dangerous as we saw in 2008. And like, I think uh, it's the bank of Zurich or Zurich bank or whatever they're called. Uh, I remember reading an article in 2015 about how over leveraged Canadians are when it comes to real estate and how it was bound to crash in 2017. Like we were 18 months away from a big crash and all it has done, especially after the pandemic is double itself and double itself and double it again. The average cost of a home in the greater Toronto area. I can remember my parents saying to me, well, if you can't buy a home in downtown Toronto, why don't you move out to the suburbs? Well, there's no difference in Toronto. If you're in the greater, not just Toronto, but the greater Toronto area, the average house costs $1.5 million. It's an insane amount of money. Add to that, you got land transfer tax. If you're in Toronto, you've got double land transfer tax. And we have some of the highest income tax rates in the entire world. So it's, uh, and people are asking, well, where's that money coming from? Where's that money coming from? Well, the exponential growth in value of the homes that were purchased in the, the 90s and the 80s, those families are now, you know, boomer families are now either selling them off or borrowing against them to help out the next generation. So a lot of fit is family money going back into the market, either they're leveraged against the original asset or taken from the original asset that was sold tax-free and gifted to the children if that family has those means. So what a lot of realtors are seeing is kids, kids, people my age in their 30s walking in and buying a house and the most amount of money that they can cobble together is the money that their parents gave them for a down payment and then they have to make the mortgage payments on their own. And oftentimes it's just, that's just enough to be able to buy a house. And I mean, we've had, we've had literally burnt out shelves of homes sold for over a million dollars in Toronto. Like a garage was up for 600 grand. But the reality of living in a city like Toronto is if you look at Shanghai, if you look at New York, if you look at other major cities around the world, London, they become extremely unaffordable to purchase in and oftentimes rent in. 
And there are ways around that, like London's got rent controls, Ontario has rent controls, New York has rent controls. Some people in New York have been in their apartments for so long, they're paying like $200 a month in rent. And like, I think there's a Seinfeld episode on that. And you can actually, the, I think the rent laws in New York are interesting. You can actually transfer that to somebody else. But um, for the most people, it's, it's pushing them out of the market and then it's pushing them into other markets. And Toronto, and Steve and Jesse can attest to this, if you go west, the city doesn't really end. No. It just turns into other cities. We just, the city keeps going. They're just called, it's just called different things. And originally these were all separate cities, but tell me the difference. Like, tell me where Toronto stops and Mississauga begins and then Mississauga begins or ends and then Oakville starts and then Oakville starts in Burlington or whatever, you know, it's just all. And then it's Hamilton. Hamilton. And then it's, you know, Welland and St. Catharines and Niagara and it's all, I mean, there's 14 million people in a little boot. And to add to that, we're on a lake. So we're at, Toronto is at the southernmost point. Most cities are, you know, maybe they're on a river because there's always, usually with cities that are over hundred years old, there's a water source, right? There always has to be a major water source, but it's a city built on a river or it's a city built, if it's a non-coastal city, it's a city that has Northeast, Northwest, Southeast, Southwest, and eventually that peters out and ends and you get back into farmland. Toronto doesn't have that. It doesn't have a, a Southeast and a Southwest. It's just North, Northeast, Northwest, that's it. And it's just people are going further east and people are going further west and they're going further north. And the commute times when, when pre-COVID for some people were two hours a day. Our traffic's worse than Los Angeles. It's crazy. It's we crazy. And we have a public transport. North America. Yeah. 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 And when we tried to institute toll roads for people coming in from, uh, say, an area that's not Toronto, but is Toronto adjacent, uh, the province shut that down. The provincial government shut that down in an effort to win an election, which they ultimately lost, which means that Toronto's roads and infrastructure are unfairly uh, paid for by the people who actually live in Toronto, which means property taxes have skyrocketed. Uh, so it's it, so and then and then people say, well, why don't you raise the interest rates? Well, if you raise the interest rates a couple percentages, something like 60 percent of the people who are currently in mortgages go belly up. It's huge. So it's an insane number. And well, why don't you tax them more? Well, when you tax people more, believe it or not, depending upon how the tax goes, you are unfairly disadvantaging the people that need to get into the market more. Because if you raise the tax on say land transfer, whereas you buy a property and you want to, and you've, and you've accumulated some equity on that property and you want to sell that property and buy another. Canadian law has that you can, uh, you can buy your first place without paying land transfer tax, but every other place after that, you're paying 2.2% plus Toronto's 2.2%, which means 4.4%. So if you're buying that $1.5 million home in Toronto, you're paying $70,000 in taxes gone, cash, gone. And so what, it's created a very stratified and unhealthy situation. Um, and what we need to do is uh, we need to look at ways to create housing that is, and I hate to say this, but you know, we got to look at other models from other cities. And I think we've got to do some things that are a little bit different and nobody, there's not a lot of appetite to do it. Uh, um, politically, because remember, who supports the political candidates? People with extra money. And if you tax them, uh, or if you, if you vote to tax them, you're not going to get the rich people's money, right? But you have to, at a certain point, 
look at the situation and go, okay, we need to limit these people's um, profits and tax them in a different way so that we can build more high rise buildings. Um, and, and, you know, ones that are eco-friendly ones that are, that have electric charging stations, ones that are mixed use, like New York's moved to a model and Toronto's doing this too, where, you know, the first six or seven floors of a 30 floor building are, um, government subsidized units. And we're, we're seeing that in Toronto, specifically in Regent park. It's the only way forward for a lot of low income families, because otherwise you're basically kicking them out far past their ability to work in the downtown sector. And when you do that and you don't have a public transportation system to support it, it creates enormous income inequality. And then, you know, restaurants can't staff people and you can't like, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a bad situation. And so I've I've got a little bit off track here, but at the end of the day, the, the contributing factors are basically uh, low interest rates, uh, low inventory, and the fact that, you know, people don't talk about this enough. A lot of what keeps people out of the market are high taxes on the lowest income people. So if, even if you make $80,000 a year, which is an incredible amount of money to make for anybody, 80,000 bucks a year, you are going to get taxed an enormous amount of money. And oftentimes it's not equal per capita wise to somebody who makes $3 million a year. Oftentimes, the person who makes $3 million a year is paying less per capita. And oftentimes, they're far more able to absorb the tax hit than somebody making $80,000. So not really much of a history corner. There is definitely more to this. It's a very complex issue, but we got a big problem. And I know Chicago's got a big problem with this too. New York's worked to try to fix it, but I think they're still having issues. London, England has enormous problems with this. And there hasn't been that silver bullet solution anywhere with a major city. But with Toronto, the expectation shouldn't be at least until we fix this position. Well, the way to make money is the same way my parents did, which is buy a house and live in it forever. You have to unfortunately look to other things which are more dangerous and require more education, such as stock market things. And like it's, it, it creates a lot of problems for people uh, trying to just pull themselves up to have a middle-class lifestyle. And that's what you have. Sorry. That's did that make sense? First of all, you're wasting your time on the radio. This is what you should be doing. This, this <laughs> I don't know that I'm right. This, I don't know that I'm totally right. This broadcasting to us only, Steve. He's doing this. <laughs> I, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Um, where was it going? Oh, you know what you, New York and London do have is a not piece of shit subway system. Yes. Getting around this, uh, I say this city, I'm in Oshawa. Getting around Toronto's a nightmare. Let me tell you what I've gained by working from home full time throughout all this, because I was still going into the city two or three times a week. Um, I don't have to commute four hours round trip, mm-hmm. um, two or three times a week. So we're talking about saving, we're talking about saving like eight to 12 hours a week. Um, and on, in forget gas, gas, I, I don't even know if I've double digit filled my gas tank um, uh, since the beginning of this. Um, but uh, I was spending two or I'm saving rather by not having to go to Toronto from Oshawa, like a ton of people do. Uh, I'm not, I'm saving two to 400 bucks a month, a month. I'm saving like five G's a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on parking when i think i think there are a lot of people that are hoping that um or a lot of politicians that are banking on after the pandemic ends 
things never going back to normal in terms of commuting. And I, I would agree. I think there is going to be a lot of that. But do you really think that, and I'm going to use this as an example, and I don't know that this is the case, so I do not speak on behalf of this company, but, but let's say the Bank of Montreal Tower in downtown Toronto, which is, I think, University in Front or King or something like that, gigantic white marble tower across from the TD Tower, which is nearby the CIBC Tower, all these major banks. Do you think that these banks built these towers so they could be empty? Even if you can even if you can work from home, they're going to bring people back because there needs to be a reason that these towers exist. Um, so unfortunately, I think what you're seeing, what you're going to see is, is a push to go back to that sort of thing, Steve. And, and you know, I, I, I'm curious, I think a lot of politicians are hoping, well, maybe we don't have to build a subway station. And the, and the bureaucracy too in Canada is much different than the States. We have a um, we have an enormous governing body that gets in the way of itself all the time. There's 40 fucking committees for everything and it doesn't, nothing gets done. <laughs> like to, to get, I don't think people understand this. If you live in Scarborough in Toronto, which is part of Toronto, mm. you have to take a bus an LRT and, uh, well, I think two buses and an LRT in some cases just to get to the subway. And we if were going to get three live, more subway stops. If you don't What's live that? directly on a line anywhere in the greater Toronto area, it's impossible. It takes two different, at minimum, two different modes of transportation to get somewhere. And usually Scarborough's Narnia. Yeah. East, yeah. East Scarborough is Narnia to, to people from Toronto. I want, if you're from New York, I want you to look at your subway map and then Google Toronto's. <laughs> Oh yeah, those those things are Dude. embarrassing. Where they superimpose the Toronto subway map over different cities in North America. I've told oof. the story. I've told the story a few times. There was a family. There was a, a tourist family from Spain, and they flagged me down one day in front of Union Station because they wanted some help. And, and they go, "Is is this the subway line?" I go, "Yep." And they basically go, "Like, where's the like in broken English?" They're like, "Where's the rest of it?" <laughs> and I go, "No, that's it." And they talk to each other in Spanish. Blah, 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 blah. And the dad goes to me, he looks me right in the face. He goes, are you serious? Mm-hmm. He was being genuine. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. And the solution is, well, we're going to put in more bike lanes. <laughs> okay. Well, when it's minus 30, I'm sure a ton of people are going to love that. All right. You know, I we, went you to- have to... We have some serious issues to overcome in Toronto. Huge. When I went to Ryerson, I lived at home with my parents in Mississauga. And to get to Ryerson from one city over, I had to drive myself to a GO train and then take a GO train to Union Station and then from Union Station, take a subway up to Ryerson. Like I had to drive and then take a train and then take a subway just to get like something where if you drive directly from where I live to the university, it's about like a 20 minute drive. I, that's a two hour commute for me. I had to leave two hours before whatever class time was. And I'd get there like 15 minutes before class. Like that's, yep. that's, that's absurd. It shouldn't yep. take me two hours girl- with something you can drive directly to that's 20, 25 minutes away. Mm-hmm. I know a girl who, instead of um, paying for student housing in her second year of university, commuted Greyhound bus from Waterloo mm-hmm. to Ryerson, downtown Toronto. Every day? <laughs> yes. Oh I'll never. My and I was. God. I was complaining about commuting, and someone told me about her, and I just walked up to her. I was like, you're a hero. Yeah. I was, how are you still? Talk about wanting it. All right. Also, right. oh yeah, yeah. The Go Train costs two hundred and thirty-six dollars for me every month, or something like that. It's it doubled absurd. since I started school. Yeah, 
at least. And the GO train, by the way, gets you in from the outlying areas. And then you have to buy a $150 pass to ride the subway, which yeah. has a grand total of like 50 when, stops. Two years in, they implemented uh, a new thing where if you tapped on the GO train, you tapped your card on the GO train, the subway only costs you 35 cents then. But that was the first two years, it didn't cost that. It cost $3 like normal. And then eventually they're like, all right, let's make a little discount if you take both modes of transportation. And that's not on top yeah. of the car you got to drive to get to the go station because you can't the buses to get to the go train are impossible if you're taking like the my way if you're on the mississauga transit system because that's a terrible bus system or if and you're on the Zoom pay for parking Brampton. yeah and you have to pay for at some of the like, go stations if there's no yeah. parking available so it's like a pilgrimage to california in the 1700s or some shit like you do that five days a week and by the way, our our um, our subways are closed constantly for signal oh, yeah. issues. Now people are like, why is the why why is there signal issues that often? Our signals, some of them, were put in in the 1930s and have not been changed. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So we got we got infrastructure issues here in Toronto, big time, and mm-hmm. a huge huge pile of people. I did like just looking around, walking around paid did really not do a whole heck of a lot and talk on a committee about feasibility. Uh, Scarborough, I, I'm particularly passionate about Scarborough because I'm from there. Uh, but I think it's complete and utter bullshit that we got one subway stop, one more. Uh, and people are complaining about it. It's crazy. And mm-hmm. so I think, uh, you know, if you're considering moving here into the golden <laughs> horseshoe, as they like to call it, make sure that you are able to afford it and that you live within the proximity, like a close enough proximity. And by the way, I said the bike lane thing earlier. I think bike lanes are a great thing, but oh, yeah. they, they tend to talk about bike lanes here. Like, Oh, well that'll solve all problems. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> it there solves a lot you of use problems, them three not- months a year. Yeah. <laughs> well, some people are hardcore and yeah. I hats off, but you, you know what, you know what I forgot about? Um, so they closed down a street in Toronto, King street to cars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as part of this pilot project to basically see how it goes. But a bunch of businesses on the street are like, no, this will kill business, blah, 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 blah. And, <laughs> and this, this, this restaurant owner and a city councillor, and I want to say maybe Doug Ford back when he was a city councillor, posed with a giant ice sculpture middle finger yeah. <laughs> outside of the old. restaurant protesting. Who's a, who's a clown. An absolute yeah. clown. Uh, there's two guys on city council who are absolute clowns. There are some winners on Toronto city yeah. council. Anyway, Jesus that's your. Can I ask one quick question about that? Because one mm-hmm. thing I always see is, okay, the housing prices in Toronto are crazy. The condo prices are crazy. Uh, nobody can buy them. Then who's buying them to keep up the prices? Well, there are people that can buy them. Yeah. Um, there are plenty of people that can buy them because there's a lot of money here. Um, You'll just be in debt forever. Not necessarily in a lot of these cases. I think a lot of it's family money. A lot of people have helped and a lot of people don't. And that's the system that we're living in. Mm. And well, I present like that you, without comment. So I spo- it. well, I'll, I'll comment. If you don't have the help, you're <laughs> fucked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like it's the, the situation here is so bad that anecdotally anyway, like someone was like, oh yeah, it's getting real bad out in Kingston. I'm like, Kingston? Yeah. That's two and a half hours away mm-hmm. without traffic. And 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 a bunch of Ontarians, oh, they're getting smart. I'll move to Nova Scotia. 
I'll move to New Brunswick. So, like, literally, this one tiny region is screwing up the entire country. Right, because all those places. Yeah, it is going to be. It's a Canada problem. And I think it's just because it's the lack of area where people want to live. Honestly, that's what it is. Um, so, you know, there, you know, it always makes me laugh when we see those and we got to wrap it up here, but you see those home <laughs> renovation shows or whatever. And it's like, oh, Johnny and Gina in Georgia, uh, are buying this McMansion for 150 grand. Well, it's everything that we can do. We're going to put a $3,000 down payment down and, uh, somehow we're going to do the kitchen as well. And you're like, how the hell? And then in Toronto, it's like, if you want to buy a shack, oh boy, it's going to be about so seven grand. I saw this TikTok of what a million dollars gets you in New Brunswick, and I wanted to move to New Brunswick. <laughs> I oh, oh my god! Nice. Oh my god! And then they're they're like, here's what it gets you in Toronto, and it was like a tool shed. <laughs> Look at what a million dollars gets you in Prince Edward Island. Beautiful. Well, no one lives there. I've been there. I didn't see anyone. <laughs> uh, hello. And they charged me at the bridge and everything, and no one was there. <laughs> There's one guy working at an ice cream stand. I got to go because I got to go pick up my daughter good. from my daycare. Right. So Goodbye. I love you guys. you guys. I'll talk to you soon. Don't forget to make your donations. I challenged you. You got to do it. Okay. 100%. $200 and one cent. There you Goodbye. go. Steve Dangle Podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle at Adam W-Y-L-D-E and at Jesse Blake. Connection complete.